This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, ladies. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason, gentlemen. And this is The Talking Dead, number 371, recorded on Friday, April the 6th, 2018. So it's Friday. That Yeah, so it is. <laughs> uh, and, you know, normally we record this episode on Monday, but if you were listening last time, you know that uh, we, we, we got all messed up this week, but we're here Friday. Now, Jason, we did get all kinds of messages like this. I am just hoping that you both are okay here. Ryan from St. Louis. Uh, haven't heard anything since the 29th, so hopefully everything is okay. And uh, yeah, all the podcast. Keep it up. Thanks. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, so, you know, Ryan called in. We got Facebook messages. We got emails all wanting to make sure that we were okay because we missed our regular recording by a mile this week. And um, on one hand, that makes me really, really happy. It warms the heart to know that so many people are thinking about us and worried about us and stuff like that. And I really appreciate that. And it just reinforces how super awesome all our listeners are, right? Yeah. On the other hand, it kind of makes me feel like nobody really listens to the end of the podcast usually. <laughs> Since <laughs> I, okay. I, yeah, no, it's fine. I've been known to, you know, turn off a podcast in the last few minutes just because... I you kind of know Sometimes they all... I don't listen to the end of this podcast. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I, I did mention it last week. Now, I didn't really have a, a good answer for when we'd be recording last week uh, when I talked about it. But here we are. It's Friday. It's just in time. This is just in time podcasting before the oh, next yeah. episode of The Walking Dead. What? Jit casting. Jit casting. Just in time. Jit. Jit cast. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I think you may have coined a new term there. Well, jit is just in time, right? Well, I got it. It's pronounced jit, isn't it? Sure, you of course. Not heard that. Well, it's not pronounced git. <laughs> well, it could be. No, I mean, gifs are pronounced gifs. No, they're sometimes. not. That's that's incorrect. Anyways, uh, git casting. Uh, not according jit. to the creator of the gif. Well, according to the letter G, it's incorrect. That's okay. The creator of the wiki also calls it a, a wiki. So really? It's supposed to be pronounced wiki. Yeah. Wiki. W i k i wiki. Yeah. Well, and the word meme doesn't make sense either. It's mem. But anyways, anyways. whatever. Uh, so what are we talking about? Jit casting, right. Just in time. Just, just in time. Just under casting. the wire. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So really, there's no time to continue screwing around, although we've already started that uh, trend here. Uh, but we do <laughs> we have a- not screw around. I know. It's the way it goes. I think we do have a bit of a uh, marathon podcast evening coming up, Jason. So are you ready for it? I am so ready. All right. That's very exciting. Uh, the first thing I want to do is is remind people that we are approaching the end of season eight of The Walking Dead, and that means we're approaching the end of our Record Your Favorite Scene contest for this year. And um, if you want to get an entry in, you just have to record it on your phone or your computer and send it into talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Any scene from any episode of The Walking Dead and uh, record it with your friends and family and get it into us to be entered or for it. Well, you know, for a chance to win the big fancy prize pack. Now I'm going to play an entry here. This comes from Justine in NorCal. Here, homemade oat cake, complex carbohydrates and omega-3s. Nah, I'm good. I'm going to make a pit stop. I'll pick up something then. Like rabies? 
Is this because I tried to get you that stuff? Yeah. And you remind me of someone I used to know. I hope it tastes better than it looks. Because it looks like shit. Shit's still better than roadkill! Yeah, okay, just eat it. <laughs> Shit's still better than roadkill. <laughs> Is it? Well, it's pretty close. <laughs> pretty close. Uh, thank you, Justine, for sending that in. Uh, if you want to get an entry in, as I said, send it to TalkingDeadPodcast at gmail.com. And you have until the week after the season finale, which is a couple of weeks from now, actually, since it's Jeez. Friday. I'm all confused. Uh, anyways, get those in, and uh, you can all, you can maybe win that huge, awesome prize pack. All right, Jason, no more yeah. screwing around. As I yeah. said, let's get yeah. into our recap of Season 8, Episode 14. Still gotta mean something. A man's word still gotta mean something. In my best Rick Grimes voice. Chris and Jason, you know what it is. You know what it is. It still gotta mean something. Still gotta mean something. The English language. Do we use got to or do we use gotta? Stop bastardizing it, so it. It's still gonna mean something. No, it's still got to mean something. Mmm, drives me mad! Hi ho, Kermit the Frog here, and I would like to announce the title of this week's episode. It goes like this <clears throat> Still gotta mean something. Alright, that's it. Bye! Thank you very much, Joe in Florida, Gareth on his way to Hamburg, Germany, Damien in Virginia, Tommy in Scotland, who did that in the style of a black metal band, apparently, Daniel in Worcester, England, and Kermit the Frog. So that black metal band style one, I sure hope that was heavily processed and that just wasn't his natural voice. Well, if it was, he probably can't talk anymore. <laughs> yeah. The way well, that sounded. You, listening to death metal or, you know, black metal or whatever it is, uh, there's uh, there's a lot of horse people singing uh, yeah. in in that genre i would think there really is um and a lot of people with sore voices too <laughs> ah. Ah. yeah um, and then kermit i i'm it's nice of kermit to call, to call in frankly i am honored that kermit the frog called in to give us a title read and you know i'm I, this is neither here nor there but if if kermit ever wanted to call in and and or record us uh you're listening to the talking dead kind of bumper that would be uh i would be thrilled and i'm, I'm just saying you know i or just, read a scene good lord <laughs> hey or that exactly thank you to everyone for doing the title read the episode is called still gotta mean something and we are going to start with our cold open here we start with some gunfire and on a black screen, and when the picture kicks in, we see Jadis run around a corner in the junkyard, and she pretends to be dead by lying, like moving a dead body and then lying down in the pool of blood. Right. Uh, she's hiding, basically, pretending to be dead. A savior runs by to kill somebody else, and uh, he spits on her and leaves her for dead. So they don't have to, she's, you know, her, her disguise worked. Yeah, she only got a spitting on instead of bullet to the back of the head. Exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, we cut to later, and the saviors are gone. Jadis gets up, and she starts to take off her clothes, leaving just her white gown on. Wait a minute. When, when you say cut to later, two things happened. One, she fell asleep. 
Right. I, I didn't think she was asleep. I think she was she just... She totally just fell asleep right after. And really? that's the kind of thing that I would do. I'd be like, I'm lying down. I got some time here. I might as well sleep. Well, I mean, she needed to stay as still as possible until the saviors left. And, yeah. I mean, it's dangerous to fall asleep because you're not going to be so still then, and you're going to potentially snore and make noise. Well, this is, you know, some people, this is how they handle uh, stress, right? They fall, they go to sleep. <laughs> Right? So me. I'm thinking Jadis is one of the, she's an artist, so I'm thinking that maybe this is how she handles high stress situations is that she just takes a nap. You know, I really, you know, when you really, really have a whole bunch of stuff you have to do, mm-hmm. and the only answer is to take a nap first. Well, the only answer is to get started and, and start checking things off your list. But in your no, case. No, that's that's incorrect. Okay. The only answer is to take a nap first, then get started and check things off your off your list. Okay. Well, I guess that's the kind of uh, person she is. But I didn't really realize she fell asleep. I just thought she was there still hiding. I'm pretty sure she fell asleep. And then the dead body is gone. Oh, really? Right. I think the dead body zombified and got up and wandered off and just left her there. Ooh, that's lucky because. Uh... Yeah. If you're asleep, that's like the luckiest thing that could happen. It really is. Okay, well. Maybe zombies don't pay attention to sleeping people. Uh, We've never seen a zombie attack a person that was asleep before. Um, That may not be true, but it could be. It could be a thing. They don't pay attention to sleeping people. You still smell like a living person, though, when you're asleep. Yeah, but humans aren't, don't have a great sense of smell. No, I guess not. Huh? So, Interesting. But they can tell, yeah. You know, maybe maybe to zombies, sleeping people look like dead people. Especially lying in a pool of blood, and she—it's—I'm not gonna—I'm not saying she was, she was probably pretty dirty and stinky, anyways. Yeah. And so if, I think I think that right after that happened, she went to sleep, and then when she woke up, the zombie was or the, the dead body that she had moved was gone. Okay. That's so were the saviors, though. That's the important part. That is the important part. Saviors are gone, and she strips down to that white gown. So. This is her hiding basically from Simon's massacre of all her people before Rick uh, shows up later on. Right. I'm just trying to look at the shadows in the background to see how much time has gone by. I'm probably looking at an hour. Okay. By the, by the movement of the sun. Oh, good. Look at you, Mr. Detective, looking at the sun. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> good fun. All right. So uh, then later she enters a pristine living space. With yeah. a uh, a mattress, shelves, a bench, and Lucille leaning up against the wall. All cleaned off. All cleaned off. So this is an interesting little nugget here. She's living in this pristine, perfectly clean, immaculate place that's in the middle of a giant junkyard. Well, I assume it's one of the containers. Right, because it's shaped like one of the shipping containers. So I assume she's living in a shipping container that's been converted into this uh, very minimalist bedroom. Yeah, but it's beautiful. Like I like minimalist stuff. Yeah. Which is I would have put a, something on the wall, right? Maybe I put painting on the wall, something. Her, she's an artist for crying out loud. Put some art on the wall. Yeah, but you can be an artist and minimalist. And I mean, I don't think yeah, that those are mutually exclusive, but I just thought it was interesting, the, con- the contrast of her living space versus the exterior living space of the junkyard. Um, and it was yes. surprising. I was surprised to see it. That's like the outside of the real world and the inside of my brain, only opposite. Okay. Right. See, the outside world is relatively organized and kind of clean compared to the inside of my brain, which is basically 
you know, a giant a hoarder's place. A hoarding, a giant junk pile full yeah, of stuff. Stacks of papers and old discarded things that don't make any sense. Someday you'll get that all cleaned up and organized in there. Yeah, you know, I'm collecting crap in my brain, and eventually I'm going to use that crap to organize the other crap that's in my brain. That's that's the thinking. That's right. You know, if you're sinking in quicksand and your arms get stuck, then you, or your legs get stuck, then use your arms to pull out your legs. What could go that's wrong? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Good. And then, then try and chew your way out. And that's right. And sense. now I'll get my arms out with my face. Uh, okay. So back to Jadis. She's in her room. She packs up some stuff into a suitcase, including a couple of guns. I noticed she writes something in a notebook and then she grabs Lucille and looks at her watch. So this is now happening after she's picked up Negan and driven him back here because she has Lucille. Uh, I assume. Yeah. Outside. Unless she has a copy of Lucille. She is an artist and she could probably make a copy of it. Yeah, maybe. But then she walks outside of the shipping container and she has Negan tied up to one of those flat rolling dollies. So we know. Yeah, that, that really cements the timeline. She has Negan, yes. Yeah. And uh, he's, uh, you know, he's in, he's in captivity. She drags him outside and we go to the opening credits. He's on a dolly. That was funny. Negan was on a dolly, yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. I think he's so. Tied up uh, with the uh, speaker wire to a dolly. Well, I mean, whatever works. You use what you have to subdue your uh, enemies. <laughs> yeah. So after the credits, we go outside, or there's the zombies outside the hilltop. We see Carol chopping some wood. Ezekiel approaches and says that they need to go after Henry, because they don't know where he is. And uh, Carol doesn't really agree at first. She wants to stay. And he questions why, but she doesn't really have an answer for him. And Ezekiel assumes that it's because Carol thinks Henry's already dead. And he tries to convince her by saying she's supposed to be brave. But in this case, she is acting cowardly. Mm-hmm. That's harsh, man, calling Carol a coward. Yeah, it's also alliteration. <laughs> it is, but that has nothing to do with the episode. That's just the way I said it. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, Carol, of all people... I mean, for, not for a long time, has really displayed any cowardice, I would say, I don't think. Um, but in this case, she's not willing at first to go search for Henry because, well, he's probably already dead. And why would I want to go searching for another child when the last time we tried that, it didn't work out so well. Yeah. And I'm, of course, talking about Sophia. Right. So uh, we go over to Daryl and Tara. She still isn't sick. And she's realizing now that Dwight's arrow was clean, so he didn't shoot her with an infected arrow. Uh, but Daryl says she just got lucky, It's and he says it's not like a bite. Sometimes nothing happens. Just to, right. just to further confuse things, in my this opinion. This is exactly what we wanted. This is the exact kind of uh, exposition that we wanted, that, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Ours is not to what reason why. Ours is but to do and die. Well, so, you're correct. I, on one hand, I think it just adds fuel to the confusion fire, but on the other hand, it adds fuel to the confusion fire. So yeah. let's just all stay confused. Yeah. I, I'm okay with that. As I, long as, you know, uh, confusion and not knowing what's going on is so much better than blatant inconsistency. Sure. And I think confusion and not, not, not knowing what's going on are not always the same thing either. Uh, no. but in this case, I, I think I agree with you that it's just better that they kind of just throw it out there and be like, sometimes this happens and sometimes that happens and you never know yeah. which way it's going to go. But Tara is such on, so on team Dwight at this point. She's like, he can do no wrong. He even shot me and that's good. That's a good thing. Yeah, it is. She's totally on team Dwight. She, you know, she even re reiterates in this scene that he saved her. 
basically earlier. Yeah. And in a way, well, and in this situation too, because Simon was sneaking up on her. So he's yeah. now saved her twice. Dwight has. It's like when you get a mosquito on your face and then somebody slaps you as hard as they, as they possibly can. It's for their own good. It's, it's to get rid of the mosquito. Exactly. Yeah. Sometimes you really have to just all, all out haul off and whack somebody well, to help them. Sometimes you just have to send that. You don't brush the mosquito off. You have to send it through their skin. And mash oh yeah. It. You, you need to send a message to the other mosquitoes because how are they going to learn? How are they going to learn? <laughs> exactly. Uh, it makes total sense to me. Uh, before the scene ends though, Tara tells Daryl that he's going to do what he's got to do, but she is no longer on board. It's just him now. Meaning that if Daryl still wants to kill Dwight, well, he can do it, but she wants to have nothing to do with it. We go inside to Michonne. She's kind of crying, reading Carl's letters. Rick comes in and she asks him to read it. And at first he doesn't want to because he says he's going out to look for food. And Michonne, I think, convinces Rick to read the letter by telling him about how she... uh, you know, she wanted to run away from this kind of pain too when she lost her children. Um, but you can't do that forever kind of thing. No. And, uh, you know, she also reminds Rick that Carl wanted him to read it. You know, he did, he wrote it for a reason. So at some point he must do it. And, uh, Rick opens the, the drawer where the letters are and takes out the letter marked dad. So it seems like yeah. he's going to read it. Yeah. And, you know, I can understand Rick's point. It's the, the world has ended. It's the apocalypse. Who wants homework? Right? Who, who wants to read anymore, right? Yeah, I'm God. all done with this reading bullshit. The world has ended. I'm not reading anything anymore. But if you're going to read one thing, I think your son's dying letter to you is probably where to start. I don't know if it is. That seems pretty harsh place to start. Or is that where I'd probably I... start with like a Ziggy comic or uh, <laughs> XKD or something. Sure. <laughs> yeah, XKCD? That online CD, that's it. May not exist anymore in the apocalypse, but you know, uh, come on, somebody's got to write it down. I, you know, I try and remember every one I've ever read and write them down. They're pretty genius. Uh, find some, find a Calvin and Hobbes book or something. Start with that, and then maybe finish yeah. with your son's dying. Work letter your way you. up to your son's dying letter. That makes sense. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Rick is slowly working his way up to it, but we go outside to Morgan, uh, who goes to Carol, who's still cutting wood, and he says he's going out to look for the saviors. He again says this is what he's supposed to do. And Carol decides to go with him. So she wouldn't go out uh, on Ezekiel's behalf to look for Henry, but she will go out to look for the saviors with Morgan. Well, yeah, I mean, that probably, that, uh, that Carol is a coward comment is, uh, you know, pretty horrifying for her. So she's sucking it up and, uh, and doing something. Yeah. She, I, I can see how that would be kind of gnawing at her a little bit, kind of eating away and wanting, you know, making her want to jump, jump into action sort of. Yeah. I mean, she's probably also thinking, fuck you. I'm not going to do what you want to Ezekiel, mm-hmm. uh, because she's now mad at him for calling him, calling her a coward. But when somebody else says something, it's like, I'm not a coward. I can do that. I and then you, uh, you go off that way. All right. So she's being, uh, I don't want to call her names, but you know what I mean? <laughs> sure. Don't call her a name. Uh, but if anyone's going to go looking for someone, she's, you could do worse, right? She knows what she's doing out there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I could think of like a couple of people. Gregory would be a horrible companion to take with you. It's oh, probably a bad idea. Good Lord. Yeah. Where is he even now? Is he like, 
he's there somewhere. He didn't run off, did he? I well, don't... that's a good question. I think we have an answer to that at the end of the episode. Oh, really? Interesting. We'll get to that. Yeah. Okay. First, though, we go out to, uh, where do we go? Where are we? Maggie, Rosita, and Diane, I think, in her office talking about uh, fortifying or refortifying the hilltop. They say the relay cars are in position, so they've positioned their car horns again, basically. Horn, horn relays. What? Why cars? Like, it seems like a, oh, I guess the people are also out there. It's not just the cars that are honking themselves, right? People drive the cars out, and they're responsible and, for honking okay, the horns. That all, that all makes sense. That makes a lot more sense than the idea that I was thinking. Yes. Okay. Well, that's good. They're also concerned that they don't have enough ammo. And Daryl comes in and says that the saviors are probably low as well. So maybe going to hand hand to hand is their only option right now, which means they aren't likely to, you know, reattack anytime soon, which is smart thinking on Daryl's part, I think. Um, But Rosita mentions that they have a bullet maker and says she knows where uh, they'd find what they need to make more bullets. The saviors, she means. And of course, that's Eugene. Before we find out what's going on there, though, we cut back to Jadis at the junkyard. She's got Lucille still, and Negan is tied up still. He's talking about how he can smell what happened here. Does he literally mean smell? Like he can smell the dead bodies or the zombies or whatever? Uh, it's hard to tell. Uh, he is in a junkyard. Right. Uh, so smelling stuff and distinguishing exactly what you smell... And what that means is probably pretty difficult. Mm-hmm. So he might be uh, hyperbolizing. That's could, not. I mean, Negan's known to do that. I would say. Well, he is known to do that, but uh, he he might be just using it as a saying because he knows what happened here because he found out in the last episode, right? So this right. is this is what we had talked about. Uh, what might happen is that he's using that information that he found out from Rick. That uh, and he's using it to talk his way out of this shit. So uh, maybe maybe he can actually smell it, but he's in a junkyard and the uh, being able to distinguish smells in there is a superhuman task. Got to be pretty tough. What he's trying to do though is convince her that he wouldn't have killed all of her people, as he says, because people are a resource. And at one point, he even kind of tries to take responsibility for Simon's actions by saying he's sorry. And that he can help uh, get it back. Like he can do something to help her get back to, you know, whatever she had before. What, is he going to recruit? Like, how is he going to get her back? Well, I think he just means... Find other people? I I think he just means kind of be her friend in a way. And like, you know, offer to give her a place to live, join the saviors, be part of their community, and slowly bring herself back into a group of people. Which isn't the same, obviously, but... Maybe it's something. Uh, But as he's talking, she swings Lucille full speed right down at his face, but just stops short. Yeah, which is terribly difficult to do with a bat. Like, don't try that at home. No. Someone, anyone. Like, yeah, it's very hard. It's hard, but she barely, you know, misses him and uh, just stops that bat hovering right over his nose. So pretty good swing on her part. Yeah, totally. We go into the forest and Morgan and Carol are searching or following the saviors or doing something. Uh, All of a sudden, Morgan thinks he sees Henry. He runs to him, but Henry looks, turns around and looks like his neck has been bitten. And Henry says, you know what it is. You were supposed to. This again. And uh, then Carol catches up. And of course, Henry's not there. It was a 
dream or a, a hallucination on Morgan's part. It was a vision. A vision, sure, if you want to call it that. Um, it's all about connotation, right? You know, a hallucination has negative con- connotations, but a vision has positive connotations. So cool. I prefer to think of it as a vision. All right, let's call it a vision then. I think you could go either it's, way. It's the difference between aroma and stink. Aroma and right? stench? Yeah, they, they <laughs> both mean the same thing as in you can smell them. Uh-huh. But aroma has very positive connotations and you know, stench, like you say, it has very negative ones. You can put the word aroma in a negative connotation. Like, that's quite the aroma coming off that thing. Yeah, and uh, the stench coming off these flowers is lovely. I mean, I mean, you, you could do it. <laughs> doesn't work as well with stench, but I see where you're going. <laughs> well, you're, you're using sarcasm, right? You have, to, you have to firmly put your foot into the sarcasm butt in order to, uh, to get that point across. I think the phrase is put your tongue firmly implanted in your cheek. <laughs> Oh, yeah, sure. Use not, that phrase. Not, I prefer mine. Thank you very much. I'm going to insert the sarcasm foot into the butt. <laughs> yeah. All right. Why not? That's a thing now. Yeah. Um, where are we? Carol comes up. Henry's not there. She says that she came out here to keep an eye on Morgan. So she's not really still looking for Henry or the saviors. She's just trying to help Morgan stay safe because she recognizes that he is going through a rough time, I think. Yeah, he's crazy. I'm going to keep an eye on him. I'm going to keep an eye on you. Uh, Morgan reminds her that he doesn't die. Wait a minute. Back up one second. Sure. He's crazy. I'm going to give him a gun and a sharpened stick uh-huh. and a couple other guns probably and some uh, nunchucks and some uh, Def- throwing knives. Definitely I bet some you. knives, yeah. Uh, and then I'll keep an eye on him because that's the right thing to do. <laughs> Here's all these deadly weapons. Yeah. I'm just going to watch you be really careful with those. I'm going to bring uh, a boatload of my own deadly weapons. She's got her Carol knife, uh-huh. which is uh, a pretty deadly weapon. Mm-hmm. And she's got a, she, yeah, she's, uh, she's keeping a, a deadly eye on him, even though he's uh, off the deep end and incredibly dangerous to himself and others. Well, you know what? At least she's trying to keep an eye on him. I mean, she's being a good friend. Why don't she just lock him in a cage and let him well, relax? I think... You know what happened last time he got locked in a cage? What happened last he, time? He came out decent and does, didn't want to kill anybody. That's true. That's he, what the cheesemaker did. He locked him in a cage. That was the answer. It was, actually. Well, maybe Carol doesn't know that or she's forgotten. She needs to try locking Morgan up or sending him away to another show, <laughs> which is coming soon. <laughs> you! <laughs> Go to fear. Go to another show. Go! Now, uh, Morgan, as I was saying, reminds Carol that he doesn't die, but... Now, this time, he says that he just sees it again and again. So he doesn't die. He just witnesses it constantly. They move on, and they pass a zombie lying on the ground, and they realize that the saviors came this way heading towards the road. So they're on the right trail, at least for the saviors. That's good. Yeah. We go to Rick, and he is watching Judith and looking at Carl's hat in a bag. He gets up. And goes outside to where the rest of the remaining saviors are. And he asks Al what or where they went. Because you I guess. You know what Al's doing? What's Al doing? When Rick, he's washing a wooden post. <laughs> uh, I swear to God, that's what he's doing. Well, you got to keep your post clean, man. Well, I recognize that. There's, you but really he's don't not wanna... washing the post that he needs to keep clean. <laughs> you don't want a dirty post. No. I agree. So let Alden but, wash his post. Okay. 
He can watch his post. <laughs> Al, Al, Rick wants to know where the saviors went. Um, Al says he doesn't know, but he assumes the sanctuary. And then he tells Rick that they, you know, there's an old dive bar along the way that they probably stop at because Rick figures they're not going to go straight there or they don't have time. Uh, Rick goes to leave and Al says that, listen, if you happen to find them, don't kill any more than you have to. He, he, he thinks that Rick should talk to them and try to bring them back to the hilltop because he thinks many of them will have realized they made the wrong choice. Right. In a bunch of these, uh, armed, angry people went to a bar and Rick's going to go and try and reason with them. He is. At the bar. At the bar. The last time Rick was in a bar, the reasoning and the talking didn't go so well. That's right. Yeah, a long time ago. When a group of angry armed people go to a bar, don't go to that bar. It's not a good, not a good bar to hang out in, no. Just don't go to that bar. Well, Rick is on his way, but Alden wants him to try to bring them back. And uh, Rick sort of says, yeah, I could. And then walks on. (laughs) So Negan is still tied up and an alarm starts beeping. Jadis throw is there, of course. She throws Lucille in a wheelbarrow and walks away. And we see Negan start inching himself along the ground. Yeah, because he's on wheels. Because he is on wheels. All of a sudden, Jadis wheels uh, a really gross zombie that's tied to a dolly around the corner. Um, and it's it's kind of... How would you describe the way it's attached to this dolly? Uh, artwork. Artwork. I mean, imagine <laughs> if if somebody was in a way crucified and then their waist and legs were bent backwards. So they were kind of like a, you know, pushing their chest and their face forward on this dolly. It's really quite weird, but terrifying. It is definitely a stress position. It it would not, I mean, I would not feel good being in that position for too long. No. Uh, Now, yeah. Okay. So the the zombie's hands are tied to the side of the cart and, uh, its head is attached to the top of the cart and it looks like there's a pole going through the zombie's brain, but that can't be right. That can't be right. So I assume that it's just attached to the side of the, of the head. Just enough to keep it immobilized. It's like a metal helmet like she had in the other zombies. Right. Yeah. So I'm thinking that, you know, she's not stupid enough to pierce the brain because as soon as you touch the brain with even the smallest implement, that thing dies. So I can't believe that that's going through the brain. No. Like you can't even do it gently. Right? No, you can't. You can't do it. So it's just somehow immobilizing the head uh, in a really uncomfortable looking position. But it's kind of a zombie, you know, wheelbarrow weapon, sort of. You push that around and it'll just bite stuff for you. But. It doesn't make any sense. I don't understand the purpose of this. I don't understand why they went to the trouble of doing this. Does this this zombie thing doesn't make any sense to me? No, I don't. Honestly, I don't really get it either. Like, what was she thinking to do? Was she just going to wheel it up to Negan to frighten him, or was she going to wheel it up to him and then like tilt it forward slowly so it could bite him in the post or something? I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's her luggage cart. She's planning on putting her luggage on it and rolling it around. It looks like a luggage cart. You're absolutely right. So I think it was just meant to look scary. And it did. I thought it was gross and kind of freaky looking, but I don't get the practical purpose of it either. I'm I'm with you there. Maybe it's a part of the signal that she's trying to give. (sighs) I don't see how that works either. You got to have the cart zombie with you or we're not going to land. Or we're not going to land and pick you up. Yeah. Uh, We'll get to that in a minute. The other weird thing about this scene is she wheels this thing around the corner, but Negan 
has, as we saw him inching his way somewhere before, he has managed to pick up a gun, uh, I guess yeah. get an arm free. So why wouldn't he start to try to untie himself? I don't oh, know. Oh, no, his arms were free already. They were? Yeah, I think so. I think it was just his shoulders and his, I don't understand. He was tied up, he was tied up very badly. Very badly. And I can understand him not trying to get out while she's standing there. But as soon as she leaves, like, wriggle around a little. Anyways, he's got a gun, he has a flare, and he has a bunch of pictures on the ground beside him. So he's managed to accumulate a lot of stuff from a, a position lying on his back while tied up to a dolly. Well, he did say that there's, you know, why would you leave me here with a bag of guns? Yeah, that's true. That's what he says. Um, if if she didn't want him to do this, why leave me here with a bag of guns? So I, I still think it felt weirdly easy for him to, to do that from his position. But anyways, that's that's where we're at at this point. We go to a commercial break, and when we come back, we are back with Carol and Morgan. And in the distance down the road, they see a herd of zombies. She wants to wait, and... They notice Henry's stick sticking out of a nearby zombie. Morgan takes the stick and kills the zombie. And then tearfully, Carol suggests that they go the way the zombie came from to find Henry, assuming he's dead because his stick is not with him. And uh, Morgan says that she saves people, but he watches them die. He's supposed to. And, uh, you know, Morgan, he, he, he wants to kill them. He wants to clear and he takes, or he hands her Henry's stick and then walks off the other direction. Hmm. Off to the herd of zombies. Kind of. Sort of towards them and then into the forest. So <laughs> he isn't going directly at the herd of zombies. Back to Jadis and Negan. She tells him to leave the pictures alone, but he's threatening to burn the pictures with the flare that he has picked up. And she says that Negan took everything from her, including herself, at which time he reveals that his wife was named Lucille, and he says she got him through regular life, and the bat got him through this zombie post-apocalyptic life, and it's the last piece of her left, just like the pictures for Jadis. So, just to clarify this here, Jadis is threatening to burn Lucille, and Negan is conveniently threatening to burn the pictures, and they kind of represent the same thing to each other. Yeah, and it's just, it, to me, it's terribly insulting to name a bat after your late departed wife. Well, maybe Something his, you use to murder people. Maybe his wife murdered people. Therefore, That's it's a true. tribute. Maybe they were uh, serial killers together. Maybe. In all seriousness, though, I mean, the idea that she sort of guided him through real life and the bat guides him through this horrible post-apocalyptic life... I mean, there's something sweet about that, isn't there? There is not. It is terrible. In all seriousness, seriousness, that's terribly insulting. Okay, fair enough. (laughs) He murders people with that bat. He does. That's very true. All right. (laughs) I'm just trying to see the bright side here. And he said he gave gave her nothing in uh, in the pre-apocalypse, pre-apocalyptic life. Right. So he was a shithead to his wife, and now he treats his bat better than he ever treated his wife, and he uses it to murder people. All right, it's totally fucked, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Jadis's alarm beeps again, and she starts pushing the trolley zombie toward him, but he has a gun, so he's shooting at it kind of randomly. Um, she Well, he, not really. He's trying to hit Jadis. He's not trying to hit the zombie. Well, but he hits the zombie two or three times. He's trying to shoot Jadis through the zombie. 
You think so? I think he was trying to hit the zombie in the head and missing. No, he was trying to shoot Jadis. All right, fair enough. Because Jadis is the threat, not the zombie on wheels. You know, if Jadis is dead, that zombie ain't going nowhere. I suppose. Pretty, pretty tied up. So no, she he was trying to shoot Jadis through the zombie's chest. All right, well, either way, he doesn't successfully shoot her at all, or really anybody. And she... Except the zombie. Ex- that was a person at one point. I know, but I mean, he didn't kill Have the some zombie. Respect. He did <laughs> for that thing. He didn't kill the zombie and he didn't kill Jadis. So mission failed. Uh, she dives on him to take the flare away so he can't burn the pictures. It rolls into a puddle and goes out. So that's fine. The only puddle within 50 miles. Of course, but it's there. Yep. The flare goes out and then the helicopter appears overhead and hovers around for a bit. So we see this helicopter again. Uh, Jadis runs away. And she comes back as fast as she can with another flare trying to signal the helicopter and yelling, I'm here. But I guess it doesn't see her because it flies away. Yeah. she. That's what the alarm was for. That's why she packed. That's why she was setting that signal fire. Yep. That's why she had the flare. That's why she had the zombie cart, I assume. I guess, to put her luggage on. What the fuck is that zombie cart for? I don't know, man. It must have been a zombie luggage cart. Um, Negan seems rather confused by all of this. And for like the fifth or sixth time in the episode, he exclaims, what the shit? (laughs) Yeah. Which is funny. Um, she goes, the helicopter's gone. So Jadis goes to light Lucille on fire and he begs her not to. He says that he can settle things and swears on his sack that he will. And Uh, you can do that. You can swear on your sack and then people will believe you. Uh, I don't know. Try it at work on Monday. All right. Uh, Jadis decides not to burn Lucille. So Lucille's been saved and the pictures have been saved. I mean, you know, people's sacks are pretty precious to them. Well, generally, yeah. Yeah. So swearing on your sack is you know, it's a pretty significant thing to swear on. It's like you're not going to swear on your foot because who gives a shit about your foot? No. But, uh, you know, swearing on your sack, that's a significant thing. So I, I assume that that's okay. Sure. I mean, it's is it one step below swearing on your life or a couple steps below? It uh, depends on your personality, really. I suppose. <laughs> How important is your sack, really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't want, wouldn't want to lose it. No, no. I wouldn't want it to fall off. That'd be that'd be bad. Just all of a sudden, one day in the shower, oh, crap. They're, they're, <laughs> oh, they're, oh, now it's clogging the drain. Oh, Jesus. Oh, man. <laughs> Gonna have to dig that out of there. Uh, we go to Rick. Rick is in the forest now, and he hides from a bunch of zombies and then Morgan appears behind him. So him and Morgan have crossed paths randomly here. Where did Carol go? Uh, she went off towards Henry, she thinks, remember? And Morgan went the other way, and Rick and has run into Morgan now. It seems awfully convenient. They're all going the same way. Oh, I know. They're but, all within like 15 feet of each other. The whole the thing way. is very loosey-goosey, right? They leave. Rick is apparently looking for food, but of course we know he's not. He's going after the saviors. Morgan was going out to find the saviors. So I guess they were following the same trail more or less. That's why they've encountered each other. And Carol's gone the other way to find Henry. So even though she originally was going to help Morgan find the saviors. Right. But after their, after their conversation on the road where they found Henry's stick, I think they decided to part ways. Right. Just, it just seems like awfully convenient party splitting, party meeting up. Yep. Everybody's in the same forest. Uh, let's all, let's go together. It's an awfully big world out there, but these guys are all hanging out in the same little piece of forest. 
Um, Morgan appears behind Rick, and Rick has to convince Morgan that he knows him. So Morgan is, you know, out of his mind. Uh, Morgan says, I'm not right. So he's he's aware that he's out of his mind. And they both agree that they are out there to find the saviors. And Rick suggests that the two of them can finish this. Meaning, yeah. we'll find them, we'll kill them, and happy days. We'll... And they'll be ex- extremely aware of their surroundings. They really, really will. They come out of the forest by a vehicle, and they find some severed limbs out there. But suddenly, they are hit from behind and knocked out. And we go to a commercial break. Yeah, because that's what, you know, honestly, that's what I would be like if I saw a severed hand and a severed foot. I probably would stop paying attention to what's going on around me. I'd probably be in shock. Right. Uh, but Rick and Morgan, I'm not so sure, right? Rick yeah. is pretty hardened, and he knows what severed stuff looks like. He has severed and things himself. He has, you know, and uh, Morgan, he may not have even noticed the severed foot in the hand. He probably thought they were just part of the background. <laughs> yeah, well, they're different, so different they outlooks. Got, so we have a group of, uh, as we find out after the commercial break, uh, spoiler alert here for the next 30 seconds. Uh, a bunch of people went to a bar and snuck up on like two of the ba- biggest badasses in the forest. Um, What do you mean? So uh, all the saviors, they went to a bar. Yes. Right? They're hanging out in a bar. Yeah. And they managed to sneak up on two of the biggest badasses oh. in the forest. Yeah, the people who knocked them out. Yeah, they, they, yeah. they did, yes. They didn't see them coming. Yeah. I tell you, that plot is a very powerful thing. It can make you do shit that just doesn't make any sense. It totally can. After the break, Rick wakes up inside the bar. He's tied up. Morgan is too. And the saviors are talking about what they should do. A couple of their people are in there who got bit and they had to cut off their limbs. So that's what the severed limbs outside were. Yep. Jared is saying that he knows the rules or everyone knows the rules. If you go down, nobody's going to carry you. But not all the saviors seem on board, and they're kind of suggesting that maybe they should go back to the hilltop. Uh, But Jared decides he wants to deliver Rick the Prick to Negan, and he goes to kill the injured, but Rick says they can get them back to the hilltop doctor, so there's no need to kill anybody. Right? Well, that's nice. That's nice of him. (laughs) Isn't it? Yeah, for now. He, Rick tries to convince them that they can come back and join their community, and this is where the episode title comes from. Rick gives him their his word, and he says a man's word has still got to mean something. Yeah, come on back to uh, to the hilltop there. We need uh, pole polishers. <laughs> all, all you people can polish all the poles that we have. Yes. We have. They have a lot of poles. And they need polishing. And they need polishing. Yeah. Uh, but They're all telephone poles. Did you notice that, that uh, the entire town is surrounded by telephone poles? I did. Oh, like the fence is made of telephone poles? The uh, the gate, no, the, the walls. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, sorry, the walls, yeah. I mean. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. You got to keep your poles clean and polished, man. Uh, yeah, yeah, you got to polish your pole. All right. Uh, Rick also mentions the herd outside, and it's coming, so they got to decide soon. Jared, of course, doesn't buy Rick's story. Uh, Morgan says he's there to kill them all, but says the herd is coming, so it probably won't matter because you're all going to be dead and there won't be anyone left for me to kill. Um, and then he also starts yelling about nobody dies because everybody turns. And what he's doing is he's attracting the zombies by making noise. Yeah. Smart Morgan. 
Uh, Jared goes to kill him, but another savior stops him and says that he'll ruin their chances of getting back to Hilltop. So this really solidifies the fact that those other saviors are indeed thinking about going back, realizing that they've made a poor decision following Jared. And uh, just then the herd arrives and they have to start fighting them all off. Hooray! Hooray, just what Morgan wanted. Uh, Rick starts yelling to cut them loose because they can help. Otherwise, they're just sitting ducks tied to a shelf or whatever it was. And uh, some of the saviors cut their ropes, so Rick and Morgan kill some walkers. And as that's happening, a savior saves Rick from a walker that sneaks up behind him. Andy. So these these saviors are uh, maybe potentially good people, or at least on their side. They're, they're, they're the nice saviors. That's right. They're the kind, friendly, gentle saviors. Uh, but that doesn't matter to Rick and Morgan. They pause, give each other a look, and start killing the saviors. Yeah. So a man's word doesn't really mean anything. So this was an evil act, right? Like Rick kind of does evil here. I, I think Rick might have done evil here, despite what these people have done to him in the past. But these individuals, you know, maybe not have done anything particularly strong against Rick, but yeah, he blatantly lies to them, convinces them of one thing. They are expressing, you know, a desire to be friendly and he blatantly turns and kills them. So it's not even preemptive, uh, defense if, 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 if you will, uh, which he's done in the past uh-huh. in order, he always killed people to save his, uh, his other people, like the people that he's been, uh, he's, Leading, yeah, but in this case, people have escaped him or escaped uh into the hilltop, and he's hunting them down, lying to them, and then murdering them. He is doing exactly that that crosses a line, no it may it may cross a line like this is this is Rick turning to the dark side, oh he's yeah, you know, fear leads to doubt, and doubt leads to anger, and anger leads to. You know, incontinence and incontinence leads to the dark side. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, no, this is a this is a big moment. Like, uh, as you said, Rick has killed a lot of people, sometimes preemptively, to save his family or to save his group of people. And that's questionable enough, probably, because you don't really know what someone else is going to do before they do it. But in this case, these people were, in a way, actively surrendering. And he chose to ignore that and murder them anyways. And helped him. And well, I mean, him. sure, they knocked him out and they probably caused brain damage and then tied him up in a bar. But, you know, they let him go and then uh, and then somebody saved him. Uh, and then they, you know, look, take a, do a look at each other and uh, start murdering. Yeah. No, it's 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 uh, very interesting. And, you know, this sort of thing can't and shouldn't be taken lightly, I don't think. Right. Because the show is all about what happens to these people and what it does to them mentally and emotionally and so on. And I just got to think this has to be a big moment for Rick. And this is the kind of thing you can not undo. So who knows? Who knows? I just, I get the, I I get the feeling that from up, up until this point, Rick has killed people, but he's killed people because he's felt like he's had no other choice. Or, or we feel like he's had no other choice. Right. We know that the people that he's killing are bad and that he needs to do this in order to protect the people that he loves. Mm-hmm. In this case, he has another choice. 
he even expresses that other choice. So he knows he has the other choice. And and someone yeah. else early in the Alden earlier in the episode expressed it as well. Right? Yeah. And the cynic would say that's for the benefit of the audience, so that the sort of point of this scene is is received in no uncertain terms, but it doesn't matter. I mean didn't the son ask him to take the other choice as well? It, he basically did. He said, right. I mean, and Michonne earlier in another episode said, we can't stop fighting, but we have to be working towards something. And I don't feel like this is Rick working towards that at all. It's him sort of doing the opposite. So I, I can't identify with him as a good guy anymore. It's hard. I, I, f- I feel, I feel, I feel weird. I know. You know, the you're supposed to empathize with the protagonist of a story and uh we're spending a lot of time with Rick uh empathizing with his plight in this uh fucked up world. Mm-hmm. Uh but now he's done evil. Like blatantly done actual evil. Blatantly, yeah, exactly. And I I mean it's it's a matter of uh opinion a little bit. You I'm sure there are people that could argue that he's done evil before. Um, but I feel like this is the most blatant example yeah. simply because of the alternative that he had. So character, big character moment yeah. for, for Rick Grimes. And I don't know what it's going to mean for, for you, for me, for the show and for him and for everybody else. I think it means he's going to die. <laughs> Shit, man. It might. He's gone evil. And you can't, I mean, can your protagonist be evil? I mean, sure, but if that's how they start out, that's different. Well, yes and no. I mean, what you, what protagonist are you, you, you thinking of? Are you thinking of Dexter? Um, Dexter's evil. That's a good example. He only, uh, you know, spoiler alert for Dexter, <laughs> uh, the books and the TV show, uh, he, well, he has a code where he only kills people that have done evil. So he is uh, helping society at large by, you know, murdering people. He's channeling his homicidal tendencies to this code that, uh, that is, his dad instilled in him mm-hmm. to only murder people that deserve murdering. Sure. Right? So you can, it gives us that little bit of wiggle room to be able to empathize with Dexter. I mean, that, that, you know, part of the show, he plays with that, uh-huh. you know, whether or not sometimes he murders somebody and it's like, holy shit, it wasn't part of Harry's code. But then it turns out that that person was evil, in fact. So it's all, oh, phew. Right. I, I was okay to kill them, even though at the time he didn't know. Sure. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we've he's done that. But, uh, you know, you can empathize with him because there's that little bit of wiggle room. With Rick, we're empathizing with him because, you know, he's just a family man that uh, wants to, it starts, the show starts off with him wanting to get back to his family and he gets back to his family and then he wants to protect his family and he protects his family. Sure, they pretty much all die, but his desire is to help and protect uh, the people that he loves. And he's got to, he has to do a bunch of things that are questionable in order to achieve that protection. But every one of those, I feel, I may be wrong, but I feel like he's done it because he hasn't had any other choice. That in order to protect his the, his loved ones, he's had to achieve, had to do these things. Until now, where he's done something where he had another choice. Yep, and a better, and he possibly. Did it anyway. Yeah, a better choice, possibly. Well, it's a big moment. And, you know, I hadn't really thought of it in terms of 
maybe this means Rick Grimes is forever changed and this is the beginning of the end for him. Yeah. Because yeah. it's I too- mean, it also raises the question, uh, you could be a good man your whole life and then do something that is bad. And is it really fair to sum somebody up as the worst thing they've ever done? Well, it might be, but you're right. It's a good question. Uh, there's, does it invalidate everything he's done to this point before this? Yeah. I don't know if it does. But in terms of a story, does it mean he has to die? It might. At least now you've got me thinking that. <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Because he's a main character. If it was a side character, it would be the hero moment that made him, uh, you know, a target for death. Uh, un- right? Especially if J.J. Abrams was involved. Sure. And un- pretty unusual hero moment, if you could call this a hero moment. But you're right. That would be for a side character. But for a main character, it's this kind of moment that marks you for death. It's that big. It's. I think it's that big. Okay. I think that... Uh, I think that Rick is up for grabs. Well, so him leaning against that tree with that wound in his abdomen may, in fact, be his final moments. It could be. I mean, because he's done this, the only way to redeem himself, the only only way for his character to be redeemed is to do something that will end end in his death. You know what? I know what the, I know what it, no. There is a way for him to redeem himself, and I know what it is. Uh, but I don't want to say it because it's a spoiler. So, Oh, for the comic? Yes. Okay. And my assumption has always been, and this just came to me now, actually. My assumption has always been that season eight is going to end with a particular scene. And I am now 100% convinced that season eight is going to end with this scene, and it will be... It it will be the thing or the moment or the action that brings Rick back after committing something like this. All right. So what you need to do is tonight, mm-hmm. after this episode eventually someday ends, you need to get a <laughs> piece of paper, write it down, put it in an envelope and mail it to me. I will not open it until after we recap the season finale and I'll read it on the air. Can I, do I actually have to mail it to you? Well, how, what are you going to email it to me? I'll end up reading it. Can I record it and send you the audio file and then we can play it on the, the thing? It'll be a grand yeah. prediction. Oh, you don't like the mail, eh? No, mail sucks. Snail mail, you come on. You want me to send you a dollar for the stamp? No, okay? it, I, I'm not going <laughs> to bother spend a dollar? getting around to it. I think that's a good idea, though. Here's what we're going to do, Jason. After this podcast, privately, I'm going to leave the recording running and I'm going to say, oh, I can't say it to you. So I'm going to say it to myself. I'm going to cut out that bit. I'm going to, uh, here's what I'll do. I'll put it in a zip file with a password and I won't tell you the password. I'll email it to you and I'll tell you the password at that time for our final recording. You can open it and we'll play it. All right. We'll use security. We'll use security. (laughs) All right. This is a great idea. So, all right, let's, let's keep going though. Um, this scene isn't quite over yet after Rick makes his decision and they kill the, uh, they kill the uh, saviors that just help them. Um, Morgan, uh, they see Jared running away. Morgan goes after him and uh, Morgan sees another vision of Henry, which distracts him for a second. So Jared has an opportunity to knock him down and gets on top of him. They fight a little bit. He almost uses Morgan's stick against him. Jared does, I mean. 
But Morgan resists. He kicks Jared off and then locks him behind the gate in a room sort of full of zombies and then just stands there and watches Jared get eaten by zombies. So goodbye, Jared. Goodbye, Jared. Yep. And that's it. I'm, I mean, now, after all that, I, I got to admit, I'm kind of relieved to see Jared get eaten because that guy's a really nice guy in real life. But what a dick on the show. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the best, that's the best option. I mean, the, the worst option is, like, oh, yeah, I really like this character, but he's a real dick in real life. Yeah. No, the other way around right. doesn't work. But I, yeah. I met him briefly at Walker Stalker Con last year. Super nice guy. Did he have the really long hair? He sure did. Oh, the glorious. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but total dick on the show. So I did not feel bad as he got eaten. So after the fight, there is a savior that's still alive questioning Rick. Why did they do this? Rick says he lied and then shoots yeah. him in the head. So what the, what the fuck dude is basically what he's saying. Pretty much. Come I mean, on. that guy's dead anyways, cause he was chewed on by zombies, but, um, you know, Rick doesn't care. He shoots him in the head. Um, Rick stands up. He looks emotionally scarred. Like he just looks like he's not all there anymore. And him and Morgan walk away. And, uh, Rick tells Morgan that he saved him, referring all the way back to the pilot episode. Uh, and Rick wants to know why he saved them, because your son was right there. Why'd you save me? I could have been bad. I could have killed you guys. And Morgan says he saved him because his son was right there. Harsh. Yeah. Brutal. But like <laughs> this, I mean, this puts Morgan in perspective a little bit, right? He was doing the same thing Rick was doing. He was trying to save his son but also trying to teach his son that saving people is the right thing to do. Yeah. Help people. I mean, nice, you know, it's a nice learning opportunity for his son, but you know, it's pretty harsh that if, uh, Dwayne wasn't there, Rick would be fucked. Well, yeah. And I mean, just probably mentioning the word son around Rick right now is, is a little bit touchy feely. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, um, Rick sees his reflection in a broken mirror and, you know, cut away. So Rick's life, his mind, his outlook on everything is fractured. That's what that mirror was telling me. Mm. All right. Back to the junkyard. Negan is free now and all dressed up, ready to go. He tells Jadis that she's not lost, but he wants to know, uh, what that was all about. I guess referring to the helicopter. Yeah. What the shit? Like that, the, (laughs) the, the, the cart zombie and the helicopter and, uh, you know, what is the helicopter? I assume that it, it comes by once a month. Probably. Uh, and if there's a flare going, it will land on the, uh, the convenient helipad that exists there. Mm-hmm. And then it will offload whoever or onload, uh, anybody who wants, uh, to get the F and cheese out of there. I guess. I don't know, but Negan has no idea. So he's trying to find out what go- what's going on. He offers to Jadis that, uh, she can go with him, uh, and says he'll but if not, he says he'll swing by again sometime, and he leaves. Just leaving. like the helicopter. That's right. He leaves. He moseys on his way, leaving Jadis looking at her photos. Yeah, that's nice. All right, uh, over to Carol. It is now nighttime in the forest, and she finds some of Henry's bloody armor, and she hears him yelling for help. So yay, Henry's alive. And she gets to save somebody, a child even. She gets to save a child, Yeah. He turns out he's hiding behind some like overgrown roots in a river and it's surrounded by zombies. So he's in trouble. 
uh, Carol kills the zombies that are trying to get him, pulls him out. Henry says he's sorry. And then Carol says she's sorry too. And now uh, says that she was wrong. He could survive. Because remember, she said, if you go out there, you will die. Right. Right. Which is, uh, yeah, you know, it's true. eh, Pretty much. But she says she's wrong and there he is. But if she hadn't shown up, he'd be dead. (laughs) Right. Exactly. He was stuck in there. Like, if you go out there and I'm not there to save you, you will die. But you can survive because I'll save you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Cut back to the hilltop on the wall. Jerry sees something. And so they distract the zombies away from the gate so they can let Carol and Henry back in. And Ezekiel is super happy to see Henry and her again, of course. She tells Ezekiel that he was right. And uh, he now changes his opinion and says she's not a coward. And uh, Carol opens up to him about having a daughter. She says that she was nothing, but the people, you know, after Sophia's death, she was nothing, but the people she was with allowed her to find and reclaim a version of herself. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, Another happy return moment, I guess, in through the gate comes Rick and Morgan. So they've made it back as well. Hooray! Murdering people is done. We can come back and celebrate with mead and the finest muffins in all the land. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Morgan seems glad to see Henry, although a little surprised, I would say, because he didn't think he was alive. What the shit? What are you doing here? Uh, He tells Henry that he killed them, including the man who killed your brother. And at this point, I think Henry has kind of learned his lesson and he instead of being happy he apologizes to morgan but morgan says don't ever be sorry yeah don't ever be that's, sorry that well that's that's a military adage oh if you fuck up in the military you don't apologize for it no you you make good or you move on to the next thing and try not to fuck up ever again you get in shit somebody will yell at you for a while mm-hmm. you just take it yep. and you move on you take your yep. shit punishment and you move on yeah you're going shit rolls downhill right and, uh, you, yeah, you take it and you, but you don't apologize. And then you take that out on somebody below you when they fuck up. Exactly. Shit rolls downhill. You'll get in shit. And if it's somebody else's fault, you'll give them shit. Uh-huh. Right. Eventually it'll get to the person who actually fucked up, but you don't, you don't actually, actually apologize. Got it. No apologies. Gri- gripes go up. Shit goes down. Makes sense to me. <laughs> you don't, gri- you don't gripe to your, your coworkers. You gripe to your boss. Okay. Keep that right. in mind. Yeah. So gripes go up, shit goes down. Perfect. Uh, Rick walks towards the house past Al, not saying anything, and past Michonne. He doesn't really even say anything to her either. Uh, Morgan, we get a quick scene of him crying alone. So he's obviously screwed up. Well, he's thinking about his son now. Yes, of course. So he's projecting back. Uh, Jadis. We cut to her quick. We see her. uh, She brings her suitcase back into her perfect living space and lies down on the mattress. So it doesn't seem like she's going anywhere. We see Negan. He's driving. He sees somebody on the road and he pulls over. He opens the door and we don't see who's there, but he says they look really shitty, but to get in. If shit could shit, they wouldn't look as bad as you. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, he arrives back at the sanctuary. We still have no idea who is in the car with him. And he tells the savior that opens the gate not to say anything because he has all sorts of surprises for everybody. So he's just going to sneak back in there and say, hooray, look at me. I'm back. And guess what? Everyone, Dwight's a traitor. (laughs) 
<laughs> surprise. Or something like that. Yeah, surprise. Okay, Daryl and Rosita are spying on Eugene. They've figured out where he is, or I guess she already knew. And they realize that the bullet factory is up and running. And Daryl, he wants to, you know, do it now, meaning take him out, I guess. But Rosita says, we don't take out the machines. We take out the man. So kill Eugene. Yep. Rosita, she wants to kill Eugene. Yeah, it's funny. He used to watch her have sex. Yeah, good point. And I think she's wanted to kill him for a long time, actually. Maybe, or sleep with him. I don't know. It's kind of a weird situation. But right now, she wants to kill him. She she sure does. Cut back over to the hilltop, and Rick is putting on a clean white shirt. Oh, that feels so good. Putting on a fresh, clean t-shirt. It's one of the best feelings in the world. Except he's about to get blood all over it, right? Well, yeah, I guess if he's got a white t-shirt on. Sure. T-shirt on. You know, usually when... <laughs> When I put on a white t-shirt, I don't get blood on it. I usually get some kind of food on it. Right. <laughs> like uh, on the in the airport the other day, I, you know, had slam, slam, I had a slam burger. I don't know this slam burger. Smash, smash burger, smash burger. Oh, I don't know. It was either. like smash from uh, uh, Friday Night Lights. Remember smash? Really? I don't know if that's the actual reference, but that's what I think of every time I think of smash burger. Oh, okay. But smash burger, they have smash sauce on their smash burger, and I got smash sauce all over my smash shirt and smash pants and my smash shoes. <laughs> uh, so, and I was wearing a white t-shirt. So, uh, yeah, usually when I wear white, it's like spaghetti sauce splatter or smash sauce or uh, something. Something happens, and I always get food on my white t-shirt. Well. Food, blood, something gets on there. Man, Smashburger looks pretty good. I've never even heard of this place. It must be a, must be a U.S. thing. I think it is. It was in the uh, the Cincinnati airport. Maybe just a local thing. Smashburger. It was very busy. Looks pretty good. And they make uh, they make milkshakes out of Hagen Dazs ice cream. Yeah, Chameleon Cold Brew Coffee Shake. You should get that, man. I should have. Oh, I right. didn't know that was on the menu. Well, that's on the website next time. Uh, anyways, we're almost done here. So Rick is putting on his clean white shirt. He takes out Carl's letter and Michonne arrives in the room and he thanks her and says he's sorry. I guess he's thanking her for convincing him to read the letter. Uh, they tell each other they love one another, which is Aww. which is a nice moment. Um, Michonne leaves and Rick sits down to read Carl's letter and we end with a slow zoom on Rick's face in the mirror. So he was in a broken mirror in the uh, bar and here we end on a not broken mirror as he's reading his son's letter. He's going to get tears all over his t-shirt. That's what's going to happen. Oh, you're right. He's just going to weep all over the thing. So it's going to be snot and like tears because it's all part of the same sinus thing. So it's just, just going to be, he's, it's going to be a mess. It's definitely going to be a mess. Um, and that's that. So massive, massive episode in terms of Rick's character. Um, Morgan sort of continued doing his thing. Carol, I think has a bit of a moment, you know, rescuing a child um, from a, uh, in, in a rather similar location to her, uh, to where her daughter was lost. And um, we kind of got a bit of resolution on the Negan and Jadis stuff. And Negan is on his way back to the sanctuary. So who do you think's in Negan's car? Oh, it's Gregory. You think it's Gregory? I think it's Gregory. Okay. Could be, but does that, Feed the story at all? Does that feed the plot not to have really, Gregory out there? Why would they not tell us? Because it's a surprise. And I don't know if Gregory is as Wait. big enough a surprise. You think it's Glenn? I don't think it's Glenn. 
<laughs> no, um, I don't think it's Carl. Although the internet has speculated on that a little bit. Uh, it'd be it's more likely to be Shane than Carl. I don't think it's Shane either. Uh, we will get to you know to some theories about this uh, in a moment when we get to some listener feedback, which we're going to do in this episode. By the way, not just holy craps. We're going to cram in a little extra. Um, so, so I don't know. I think it is going to be surprising to find out who's in that car. It may, it's obviously somebody Negan knows. Um, yeah. and therefore it has to be somebody that the audience knows. It can't be like a new character. That would be ridiculous. So there aren't too many options out there. Um, but I think it is intriguing. Is it uh, I don't think it's Jadis. <laughs> How the hell did you get ahead of kind me? Kind of a letdown. Yeah. A what? <laughs> yeah. Well, didn't I just leave you? Um, so we'll, we'll find that out. Um, and, you know, after talking about this episode, I think I like it more than before we started talking about it, mostly for the Rick stuff. Yeah. You know? I, li- I like this episode. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was good. I'm, I'm a little bit worried about Rick. And uh, I'm more worried about my ability to identify with him as a protagonist. Sure. This happened recently in a book I was reading as well, where the uh, the protagonist, you know, out and out killed somebody mm-hmm. uh, uh, that had wronged him in the past. And I was like, no, you, you can't do that. Like, you, you can't just murder this person because uh, it would it just it just shakes the idea of being able to identify them as a protagonist. As it turned out, he faked it. He didn't actually kill him, and uh, it was a bit of a fakery kind of thing. And I was kind of pissed off at the author for that. But uh, the protagonist was still good in my book. Good. So it didn't ruin L- the character. Literally, like in the actual my book. Sure. It, did, <laughs> it didn't ruin the character. It kind of ruined the book, though. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I got it was author intrusion, and that kind of bugged me. Uh, you know, when the author gets... Yep, he's in. You see him in the book. It's like, come on, buddy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You can do better than that. I know that's a that's a thing, a sticking point for you, author intrusion. So it is absolutely is. So, but this is you know, there's no getting out of this. You know, we can't fake it. We can't uh, make this a dream sequence where Rick didn't actually out and out murder these people. He he did it. He's a murderer now. Uh, he's a murderer now. But we have to not forget the end of this for me to record that thing and send it to you because i think this will yeah i think uh i think this will be fun and if it doesn't go the way i think it's going to go then you know whatever we'll talk about that then but um it could could be interesting i'm i'm a looking forward to it yeah me too okay uh let's uh i'm not going to do a regular break this episode, Jason, just because I want to move into our we'll do an irregular break, uh, we'll do an irregular break. Yeah, move you're, into. You're the... going to sing a song and, <laughs> instead of actually playing one. Hello, my baby. Hello, my darling. <laughs> yeah. I see he was a frog. Why do I see he was a frog? Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, so, but I I do just want to you know real quickly mention Patreon. If you want to go help support the Talking Dead podcast, you can visit Patreon.com/slash The Talking Dead make a small monthly pledge and, and all the money collected goes into just putting on the show and all the costs associated with it. So it is a great way to help us out a little bit, show your support and uh, maybe get a neat reward. So check that out at patreon.com slash the talking dead. Here's the question. Do I play the listener feedback or do I play the holy crap bumper? Play both, my friend. Listener feedback. Holy crap. Did you see that? We're about to find out. And what? 
You, you could have combined them to like, holy crap, did you see the listener feedback? Well, maybe I'll edit that together later. Probably not, though. Uh, all right, let's dive right in. This is a call from uh, Neil. My holy crap, did you see that moment is when Carol found Henry in the exact same place that uh, Rick left uh, Sophia, which is actually Henry's sister in real life, uh, in the exact same spot by the water there under all the brush. All right. That's correct. Thank you, Neil. So I mentioned this briefly a min- a few minutes ago, um, but it's essentially, it really looks like the same spot. So what Neil's talking about is Rick hides Sophia, says, stay here. And then when he goes back, she's gone. Um, and where he hides her is basically the same kind of looking place as where Carol now finds Henry. And so it all comes full circle. And hold on a second. Henry is Sophia's sibling? R- real, real life, life sibling. Yeah. Yeah. How come I didn't know that? Well, I don't know, because it's, I, I think I've mentioned it before, but it is her real um, Madison Lintz, and I think his name is Mason Lintz. So huh. they are real life si- siblings. Um, she was hidden in that little alcove in the river in season two, and he was found there in season eight. Well, I'll be dipped in shit. That's really nice. Yeah, it is. And a lot of people pointed that out. That came in from a number of people, but it is a good observation, and I don't think it was an accident uh, on the part of the show. They, oh God, no! They don't. Just not, yeah, especially since we we talked about Sophia and about how Carol lost her, and we need the, the redemption. Absolutely, was not an accident in any way. No, totally. Sophia exactly was mentioned in this episode when she was talking to Ezekiel. It all comes full circle. So, uh, thank you, Neil, for that. Cool. Next, we have uh, another call from Joe. Hello, guys. This is Joe from Quincy, Florida. My uh, holy crap moment is, uh, did you see Jadis's apartment? I can't believe how nice that is. All birch wood and look like a sauna or a spa. Anyway, keep up the good work, guys. Yeah, I think it was unusual that she lived in such a nice, pristine place surrounded by a huge, dirty junkyard. I thought it was very nice. It was. I, th- I would have put something on the wall. That's just me, though. All right. Put up a picture, hang something, you know, a zombie ear necklace or something like that. And No, I wouldn't go so far as to put in, you know, undead remains. I'd probably, like, find a... There's probably, like, the Mona Lisa is kicking around somewhere. Fucking go get it. (laughs) A little hard. I mean, maybe, yeah, hard to get to France and back, but whatever. Or go to the... Just, you know, they're... Go someplace like they're next. They're near. Uh, they're near Washington D.C. The friggin' uh, uh, Smithsonian is there. There's all kinds of shit you could get at the Smithsonian to hang on the wall. Oh my god, that's true. This is, you could get all the best stuff there. So Washington, I would do what they did in uh, Last Man on Earth. You go get the friggin' uh, the presidential seal carpet, <laughs> and you bring that in that shit in there. Totally, you could live like a king in that little thing. <laughs> yeah, that's the best part of that. Uh, it's a spoiler for the pilot of uh, Last Man on Earth, but that's exactly what I would do. Totally. Drive around the country and get priceless artwork. And like cram it into my apartment. And take the fanciest cars you can find. Oh, yeah. Right? Come oh, on. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, thanks, Joe, for that. Another call from Matt. Hey, guys. This is Matt in Chesapeake, Virginia. I uh, love the podcast. I just want to say, holy crap, did you see Negan winning the Creeper Olympics. 
and by creeper I mean the thing that he was tied to. Uh, it looks like Jadis wrapped speaker wire around him and then dragged him by a chain. And then when she left for about 20 seconds, he managed to shimmy his way over to her suitcase, which he had no idea what was in it. Rummaged around, found the gun, found the pictures, laid them out all facing up, and pushed himself backwards to his original position. Uh, and put her suitcase back up and for some reason didn't get Lucille um yeah I don't know I don't know if you guys have ever used a creeper but it's incredibly difficult to do that even when you're not tied down let alone the fact that the chains were at his feet and he probably would have rolled right over them so that's how you get stuck but anyway I just thought that was absolutely ridiculous and probably the most unbelievable part of the whole episode for me so anyway that just bothered me and i uh, thought i'd share so all right give up the good work bye thanks matt um i've never heard that thing referred to as a creeper before i don't know if that's I think it's a, what you go under a car to fix it right yeah is that is that an actual name for it i assume so i i just assume matt is he knows what he's talking about yeah no i mean matt sends in stuff all the time so uh, yeah. i'm going to assume that too uh, Matt and, obviously has completely discounted the idea that uh, Negan has telekinesis. I mean, he just discounted that right off the right off the bat. So, well, uh, it 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 did seem a little questionable to me that he was able to just slide around, get everything he needs, and be ready to go when Jadis came right back. He uh, started a flare. He started a flare. He did. Or a, 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 a yeah, that's a flare, right? Yeah, it was a flare. Uh, so it is a little bit funny and not only that, but the editing was a bit funny. Like she runs away. He, you see him start shimmying over and then cut. She's back and he has all this stuff. Like we're just supposed to believe that they yada yada over him doing all that. And I guess it took her a while to, to set up the luggage cart zombie. I mean, what the fuck was that thing for? I don't know. I don't know. We're just going to have to th assume it was, it was uh, like an intimidation point let's like look at this big scary thing well why not just a zombie on a stick like they had before i don't know maybe it's zombie on a stick's easier to get away easier to like get loose or something she drops the it's stick more deadly accident. when there's somebody tied to a friggin creeper well, this is what i mean maybe she was never really trying to kill him she was just trying to you know scare the shit out of him with this thing it's just it's got to be zombie art that's the only thing that it, that makes sense is that she had this zombie art cart that was lying around. She's like, I know, I'll freak him out with this thing, blah, blah, blah. Well, that I could believe. She's an artist and she creates some weirdo stuff, man. Yeah. So, but the whole, anyway. the whole scene was a little bit ass backwards, I think, and uh, missing some bits, I feel like. Yeah. I mean, if he had gotten out, like if he was no longer tied to the thing and he managed to untie himself and then had the gun and the flare and the pictures, everything's fine. It actually would have made more sense, yeah. <laughs> and and the scene still would have, like, it could still could have played out completely the, exactly the way it did. I think you're probably right, although it might have been a little easier for him to shoot at her. But not if there's a zombie, uh, the 90 degree lady on the cart there. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe she's still ducking behind the zombie and uh, able to uh, use it to as a, as a, as a zombie shield. Yeah. Uh, you're right. I I think you're right. I didn't really consider the fact that he could have just gotten himself out and it 
more or less could have played out the same way, but let's not worry about it too much. All right. All right. Next, we have a call from Anwin. Hi, Chris and Jason. Still got to mean something. Um, I thought it was a really good episode, but I was really confused, and I can't wait to hear if anybody else had the same problem. At the beginning, when Jadis, um, when we see what happened to Jadis, and she's um, running away from the saviors, trying to kill all their people, and she comes around the corner, and she ditches that guy underneath um, something and smears blood on herself and appears to be dead. For some reason, I thought that was Negan. He was wearing a very Negan-style jacket, and I thought they were doing a weird time loop thing where I couldn't tell if it was before or after she'd picked up Negan in the car. And so that threw me for quite a lot of the episode until I realised it was just some guy. Um, and But apart from that, I thought it was really good. I loved the stuff with Jadis. I thought it was really cool. Um, She's quite unrecognisable without her Romulan fringe. I guess she had some pretty hardcore um, hair gel or something there in her IKEA-inspired shipping container because a little tiny short fringe like that does not sit to the side by itself. She must have had some help. Anyway, I thought she looked great. She looked business and um, thought it was really, really cool. Um, The only other thing that I really stood out for me in the episode, lots of things were cool, but man, when Rick goes back on his word, when he talks specifically about all a man has is his word, and then he turns into bad guy Rick and kills all of those saviors right after he'd said he would save them, I just thought, oh my God, that's like way next level, way worse than Negan in a lot of ways. So it's a good thing that we are already on Team Rick, or if this happened in the first season or two, I don't think anyone would be following this group. Um, The other thing was last week totally off topic you mentioned Jason about eggs excuse my Kiwi accent you probably call them eggs but anyway eggs um, they're just on the shelves here in New Zealand too so uh, I guess we don't have some another either anyway have a great day guys talk to you soon bye thanks Anwen so she brings up all kinds of interesting stuff uh, but I really want to talk about the eggs thing <laughs> of course <laughs> just just really quick um, the you said that they don't have salmonella in uh Singapore, right? Because they sell eggs not refrigerated. Shanghai, yeah, but Shanghai. yeah. And well, a number of people wrote in and said, you know what? Um, we sell eggs like that where I live too. And or or somebody wrote in too and said, uh, we do in fact have salmonella in uh Shanghai. Okay. Um, but it's it comes down to and I and somebody sent a link into this, it comes down to, I think. The way the eggs are prepared and processed post chicken, you know, popping it out, and um, and eggs in North America have something done to them, which therefore then requires refrigeration for salmonella or you know other things to not be a problem. Whereas in the rest of the world, or not maybe not all the rest of the world, but in some places. Uh, they don't have this done to them or the process is different and they don't require refrigeration the same way or to the same level. Yeah. And I, I did read something about that as well uh, since, since the uh, podcast where I mentioned it. Yeah. So they're uh, North America, the eggs are uh, disinfected or something has done to them because of the food and drug administration uh, requiring it that Mm -hmm. after it's done to the eggs, they now need refrigeration. Whereas right. the rest of the world, they're like, what? That's stupid. <laughs> they come out of the chickens. Chickens don't have fridges. No, they're just fine. <laughs> they're just lying around. They just lie around. They're eggs. 
Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> they try and keep them warm. You think they'd sit at room temperature for a week? You'd think so. So anyway, yeah. So uh, we're 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 the outliers. I think. I think we might be exactly. That being said, I think it's weird that eggs are not refrigerated, but that's just because of where I grew up. It was unsettling. I'm telling you. Yeah. Because nobody told me. I just walked into a grocery store. I'm like, those are eggs on the shelf. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah. No, I my wife's family is from Eastern Europe, and there are many places there where you can buy milk that's not refrigerated too. And I, I'm sure it's a similar similar thing where the milk is processed or created uh, differently. Created, you know what I mean? Like handled differently before it gets to the store, and you don't need to refrigerate it. I think it's weird, but yeah, it's just the way uh, it goes. Well, the, the part of my brain that's uh that's supposed to retain that information has uh, rejected it. Fair enough. So, so no, I don't understand. <laughs> Plus milk just, if I mean, if you like milk at all, it tastes it's better cold. cold. Yeah, you, well, right? I mean, Jasper likes milk warm, but he's different a baby. Different kind of milk. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, we, you know, he's not breastfed or, you know, he's not drinking formula anymore. He's just drinking milk. Oh, and he just but, likes it warm. He just likes it warm. Like we give it to him cold, but uh, he's still, when he needs it for comfort, he wants it, uh, he wants it warm. You know, fair enough. I mean, lots of people like warm milk, I think. So anyhow, anyway, what's going on here? What are we doing? It's, uh, I think it's me now, right? Oh, she, uh, the more thing that Edwin, uh, mentioned was that when she, when, when, uh, Jadis first went around the corner and pulled that body, uh, the, I watched the episode twice. The first time I watched it, I thought it was Negan until really? Negan showed up later and said, what the shit? And I'm like, uh, oh, that just must've been some dude. Huh. Interesting. I, I mean, you, you thought Negan was dead at that point? I didn't know if he was dead. He might have been unconscious. I didn't know if it was a, uh, you know, if it was a, a non-sequential or non-sequitur uh, to a different situation that was going on in the junkyard. I know that Jadis had Negan. Mm-hmm. So the next time I saw Jadis with a person uh, pulling somebody, I just assumed it was Negan because oh. in context... That's what I saw last got was it, her got it. with Negan. So I thought that maybe she was hiding him, like he was not dead but unconscious, but somebody was attacking the uh, the junkyard, and so that she was hiding him until she started playing dead. And I'm like, what the heck is going on here? And then later when he was tied up, uh, or when she took uh, her clothes off into the white, I knew, okay, flashback right. uh, to what's going on. It all started to, to come to me. But the second time I saw it, it all made sense perfectly. Of course. So, but that first thing, the uh, first time I saw that, I'm with Anne when I thought it was, uh, I thought it was Negan. Interesting. So they just dressed up a corpse sort of in the way he would dress. Yeah. Skinny guy, leather jacket, Negan, right? Yeah, obviously. Obviously. All right. Fair enough. Uh, but thanks, Anne, for pointing that out. You and Jason are on the same wavelength, clearly. Uh, Sean on the internet writes, Rick's word is worth crap. I kind of hate seeing him lose more living, especially when they seem to have every intention of becoming Hilltopians. Yeah. Or is it Hilltoppers? I like uh, Hilltopians. I, I want to go with hippie hoppy Toppians <laughs> for some <laughs> reason. I'm not sure why. Hip hop Toppians. There you go. Hip hop Toppians. Perfect. <laughs> it's like the hip hopopotamus. Right. But. My rhymes are bottomless. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Dan in Columbus, Ohio writes, holy crap, Rick is a bad guy. We've seen Rick do bad things before, but betraying the saviors in the warehouse uh, was the first time I truly felt he was bad. Yeah. Warehouse, bar, whatever. Uh, he really was bad. So yeah, we've talked about it. Anna in Wales writes, 
I'm becoming increasingly convinced that by the end of this season, Rick is going to be the villain of the show and Negan the hero. There have been several episodes recently where Negan has acted fairly reasonably and shown compassion. Rick, by comparison, is committing war crime after war crime. Are Negan's actions really worse than Rick's? He killed Glenn, Abraham, and Spencer, blew up some houses in Alexandria, run a protectionism ring in order to get supplies, and had some dubious relationships with women forced to be his so-called wives. That's a pretty good list of, of bad stuff. Yeah, murder, rape. Yeah. Rick, on the other hand, is killing almost everyone he encounters, provoked or unprovoked, creeping in and murdering strangers in their sleep before he has any conflict with that group, killing hostages, lying to people, risking his own people's lives, showing no compassion to anyone. Rick and Morgan murdering the saviors who freed them on this week's episode was so cold, it took away any remaining empathy I had for Rick, especially considering the way he used Alden's positive message against them. His actions were entirely unjustifiable. By comparison, Negan connecting with Jadis on a personal level showed him to be capable of empathy and that he was genuinely sorry about what had happened to her. Maybe this is how Negan has so many followers. You end up justifying his behavior because he only kills one person here and there. Right. And who wouldn't follow that person? Yeah, who wouldn't follow that person? But I mean, <laughs> given you know, the alternative and the comparison here between what Rick's doing and what Negan is doing. I can see the bad in both of these guys because Negan's list of stuff is not exactly a, a good list of actions, but, uh, Rick is at this point, no better and maybe no. a little worse. Yeah. Uh, they're both bad guys. I mean, I can't think who's the, who's the good guy. Well, Ezekiel? yeah, maybe a good guy. He's a good guy. Carol rescued a kid, so maybe she's a good guy now. She's not a good guy. No. She's also murdered kids. She she really has, yeah. Ezekiel? Okay, fine. He's a good guy. Maggie? She's a good guy. Maggie. Right? Let's hope she doesn't leave the show, because if she leaves the show, then it's all just bad guys. We're all left with bad guys, yeah. I mean, she's the one who's concerned about the cost of what she's doing. Uh, so I think, Simon? She, I think she qualifies. Simon? No. Simon a good guy? I don't think so. Oh, that's <laughs> he, too bad. He slaughtered a bunch of... Semi-innocent people. Not personally. I'm I mean, pretty... sure he killed everybody, you know, people here and there, but he yeah. murdered everybody. Uh, okay. I, he murdered some. And he wasn't the one that spit on Jadis. No. Right? No. I forget that guy's name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't think of any good guys anymore, except for maybe Maggie and Ezekiel. Well, they should stick together and uh, and start and just keep the community going. You need the good guys in charge there. Yeah, you do. Okay. All right, next, uh, we'll move on here. Uh, Don in Wisconsin writes, the past two seasons have driven me to the point where I judge each episode by how much it doesn't make sense. By that metric, this week's episode was very good. No real logical inconsistencies or nonsense we haven't seen before. This week, I just can't figure out why Negan wasn't shooting that cart zombie in the head. He nearly unloaded the clip into Mr. 90 Degrees' chest. Uh, and how and how did they get that pole through the skull without hitting the brain? Good point and good point. Uh, earlier, you know, you mentioned that um, he wasn't trying to shoot the zombie. He was trying to shoot Jadis, which I didn't pick up on earlier, but hopefully that answers Don's question. And the other thing is, is there's no way that pole was going through the zombie's head. It yeah. couldn't have been. It would be dead. Yeah, and there was there was an actor or an actress inside that uh, inside that costume 
And uh, I bet you that poll wasn't going through their head. <laughs> no, probably so it's not. obviously possible. I guess so. Put a poll on their head without going through the brain. See? Perfect. All right. Hope that helps, Don. That's best we got. <laughs> uh, Mike in London writes, Holy crap, did you see that? The Walking Dead just turned into Lost. Jadis has become a completely different character, like Locke. She lives in a pristine hidden room, a bit like the hatch, and she's trying to be rescued by a mysterious helicopter, a bit like Penny's boat. It's all mysteries and no answers, just like Lost. That's true. I mean, you could do worse. Oh, totally. I love Lost. Yeah, I like Lost as well. I'm one of the people that did not hate the final season or even the final episode, and I know many, many people did. No, I didn't hate it either. You and I, I think, are on the same page here. I think so. I think so. But a lot of people really, really didn't like the way that series wrapped up. Um, and Locke was a different character, and it all made sense why, right? It did. It did. I didn't want to. I don't want to spoil anything, but yeah, Locke was a completely different character. But it was all laid out as to exactly why. I mean, it was a mystery for a long time. Sure. But uh, you know, they told us why. Yeah, totally. But but I think I think um, Mike you know, has a bit of a point here that that the show felt a little lost this week with some of this weirdo stuff, like the super pristine room and, um, you know, a mysterious vehicle showing up out of, you know, for all we know, nowhere right now. So that's okay. They can borrow a page from Lost. Like you said, they could do worse. If they're going to, and I think that if they are going to have a completely pristine, clean room, we need some Geronimo Jackson. Oh, yes, Geronimo Jackson. <laughs> we need, yeah, we definitely needed some Geronimo Jackson. That was missing. We'll put that in next week. I'll, well, the next time, if I ever watch the episode again, I'll play it in the background. Perfect. All right. <laughs> That's good. Uh, okay, next we have an email from Dr. Chris in, uh, see if I can get this right, Toronto? I know, it's an unusual one, but uh, yeah. I think it's Trana. Trana, right. Okay, Trana. That, that sounds a little more familiar sure uh dr chris in toronto writes uh my holy crap moment uh is that rick still had a bunch of carl's letter in his drawer looks like he's holding out on a few people yeah seriously he's got all these letters and he hasn't distributed them yet what's he doing what is he a mailman what doesn't he doesn't don't these people deserve to have them their letters from carl delivered to them what's no, rick holding on to them come for? pick him up no. he doesn't want homework uh, it's the zombie apocalypse he's not distributing letters he's got people to murder Bad guys don't distribute let, distribute letters. They murder people. That's right. Okay. <laughs> I do think they hold it's an, out until it until they can gain something from it. I do think it's an interesting observation, though. Big stack of letters, and he still has them. Like, kind Michonne of would have delivered them. Kind of funny, Michonne. You'd think would have. Yeah, exactly. She was his best friend. Exactly. Deliver the letters. Totally. <laughs> that's that's a best friend thing to do. That is. That's right. Clear your browser history and deliver your yeah. letters, right? It used to be hide your porn, but nobody has porn anymore. I don't think on so. On their computers. Just, it's all on the internet. Why the hell do you need to put porn in your closet? Why bother? <laughs> Why bother? Maybe no one suspects that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Under your mattress. <laughs> no one would yeah. do that anymore. Uh, all right. Gemma in South Wales, UK writes, My holy crap moment was Jared getting his face eaten off, eaten off by walkers. Yuck. It was kind of like, Noah's horrific season five revolving door death, but we all hate Jared and we're happy he got his just desserts. That's true. I 100% agree. I love Noah. I didn't like Jared. So one sad, one okay. One okay. <laughs> yeah. His death was okay. 
Okay. <laughs> All right. We have uh, another email from Corey in Indiana, or Corey from Indiana. Holy crap. That look between Morgan and Rick before they took out the remaining saviors in the bar was easily similar, eerily similar to the look the prison uh, survivors gave before they turned on Daryl and Rick in the prison walker killing training seminar from season three. I don't remember exactly what Corey is referring to. Um, oh, man, I was hoping you would know. No. It, it, so is it when they bust into the prison and then Axel and everybody pop up from behind the, the counter? Do you remember that? Uh, nope. Similar look. I remember Axel, or Jasper, as as it were. Before they turned... Oh, no, not that point. That's when they first met them. So walkers are invading the prison, everybody's fighting, and then some of those prisoners turn on our group, thinking that they can kill them and get away, maybe. That sounds more familiar. I should have gone back and checked. It's hard to remember eight seasons worth of a TV show. Yeah, all I get is Lou Temple, Lou Temple, Lou Temple... He's he's a party guy. He really is. <laughs> I should print. And then everything else in that entire season has been wiped out for me. I should print out that uh, picture of you and me and him because it's a great shot. It is a good Put shot. it on my yeah. wall of Walking Dead pictures behind me. That's a great idea. Uh, all right, uh, Jason, knock, knock. Uh, come in. <laughs> I was hoping to do this without having to edit anything. <laughs> Let's try that again. Knock, knock. Who's there? Dragon. Dragon who? Holy crap, this Negan plotline is dragging on way too long. <laughs> that comes from Graham in Tuscaloosa, and I think it's a quality knock-knock joke right there. It is a quality. Sorry I, sorry I fucked it up there. You stepped all over the knock-knock joke, man. Uh, <laughs> that was funny. Yeah, no, it was funny. Um, but anyways, thank you, Graham, for pointing that out. Do you feel the Negan stuff is taking too long? Like, is All Out War in general taken too long do you wish it had finished at the mid-season finale uh i don't think so no neither do i actually i'm i'm glad they didn't hoping it wraps up by the end of the season but i don't think it's taken too long right now no no i agree with you and i think the back half of season eight has actually been okay it has been perfect but it's been pretty good um but you're right if it doesn't sort of wrap things up at the end of season eight then it will be dragging on way too long. Yeah. I mean, we got the Valley of Despair out of the way early on, which is nice. Okay. Because uh, usually when, you know, the Valley of Despair, when you, you, you've experienced this, when you're you're working on projects, it starts off okay, and then it goes downhill, and then about three quarters of the way through the project, you're like, there's no fucking way. There's just no way. This is hopeless. Uh, I'm going to give up and go work at uh, a video store. Because apparently they still exist. I don't think so. <laughs> I'm sure they do somewhere. There's the odd one probably, but even the long-standing it... one on the corner of my street closed this year. So yeah, and then then it gets better, and you end up finally finishing. So that value despair is usually three quarters of the way through. Mm-hmm. In our in our uh, all-out war, we got the value despair right at the beginning of the last season. Right, it's right after Glenn and Abraham were murdered. It was dark. That first half of that season was just rough. Yeah. It really so was. We got that out of the way, and now things are kind of uh, just humming along, I think. Yeah, but they can't hum along forever, and they do need to make sure they they bring this to a satisfying conclusion at some point, right? So um, I, in a way, agree with Graham a little bit, but I'm only feeling that sort of uh, anticipating that if they don't wrap it up, it's going to be too much. So who knows how the wrap-up is going to happen? 
we'll uh, I'll record that later on and you can listen to it in a week and a half but uh once I get the password once you get the password exactly um but uh for now for now I'm okay if this show was like all Negan all the time oh I would be done with him by now I think yeah but if they changed the name to the walking Negan and Rick variety hour I think I'd probably revolt probably it would be too much it would be too much Negan you need that guy in small doses and uh they've been better at that lately or maybe jdm has just been better at negan which i also think is happening so yeah he's kind of settled in he's settled in a bit exactly but i bet you Stephen og could sing and dance i have no doubt oh no doubt he's he's the full package sing dance uh tap dance probably you know everything probably yeah, a, yell a, bullshit probably he's a really good swimmer too yeah he took five years off of acting to build a house like <laughs> holy shit that's a cool dude, man. I haven't mentioned that in a long time. No, but you have mentioned it before. <laughs> I want to know where he built that house. Calgary. In Calgary? In Calgary. His hometown? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to believe you on that one. Man, wish I could do that. Yeah, me too. <sighs> anyway, what? Yeah, shake get out of this reverie. Next, we have an email from Gemma in South Wales, UK. Bit of a mixed bag this episode tonight kind of jumped all over the place between characters and callbacks. Uh, Carol, Rick, and Morgan are all dealing with the same loss of a child, and it has all affected them in different ways. I liked how the episode came full circle for Carol, and she got the chance to rescue Henry in the way she could never rescue Sophia, and it brought her some closure, and I think it, uh, she's opened her heart to love a child again. The river hideaway where Henry was is the same area they used back in Season 2. It's where Sophia was for, uh, was first found by Rick or left by Rick. Um, I don't know if it was actually the same place, but they do shoot in the same part of, you know, Georgia. So it yeah. could actually very well be the actual same place. Uh, that, that's what I would do. I just go back there. I'd yeah. be like, you know, I want to evoke this imagery from back in season two. Where the hell was that again? And you go find the location people. Cause I assume there's people that keep track of that kind of shit. And, uh, they go, yeah, it was right, it's right, right there. Right there. Well, exactly. let's go there, there, then there. No reason not to. <laughs> yeah. Um. And 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 I do really enjoy the sort of uh, bringing it back around for for Carol, Rick, and she she makes a good point, Gemma, that all three of these characters, Morgan, Rick, and Carol, are dealing with the loss of a child, um, Morgan's son, and a little bit Henry, Carol's daughter, and a little bit Henry, and Rick and his son, of course. So a little bit Carl. And a little bit Carl, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, it's mostly for Carol, and I think they've done a good job of kind of wrapping that up in a way, you know, like bringing it back around. So, yeah, very, very good. All right, Luke in sunny California writes in, and what's funny about this is I was just in sunny California, and it wasn't that sunny, and I was visiting my buddy named Luke, but I don't think this is the same Luke. So, but at least the weather got nice as soon as you left. Yeah, we had one really nice day down there, and uh, it's probably really beautiful right now. So I hope it's it is. snowing here. <laughs> Fucking Tirana. <laughs> uh, all right, Luke writes, the past two episodes have tried to hit emotional connections that just aren't there. Why, at this point, should we be so concerned about Henry running off? Here's what we know about him. He's a murdering, semi-psychopath we have no backstory on, other than his brother died, and he has made terrible decisions to this point. So... They spend a whole episode on a hunt through the woods for him, and there is an emotional payoff at the end that is supposed to give us the warm and fuzzies. In the prior episode, they also tried real hard to get us to feel something 
for Carol and Tobin, when we really don't know anything about him, and we've barely seen him since things were all good in Alexandria. Do you feel mm-hmm. that we don't know anything about Tobin? And because I, I connected with that, I was I really enjoyed seeing Carol and Tobin kind of rekindle things the moment before he got eaten. Or, yeah, or, I don't really care about Tobin that much, but uh, I should say the moment before he started eating people because he just died, and you know, there you go. Yeah, but uh, Henry, I, I think there's a connection there. I mean, sure, he's a bit of a shit, but uh, you know, he's a young shit, and he can grow out of his shit. I guess, but I felt more. I mean, I I felt more for Tobin than I did for Henry. I don't feel like. I mean, Henry, yeah, his brother died, and that's why he was so pissed off. And then he ran off and got stuck. And it did more for Carol's character than it did for Henry, obviously. But Tobin's been around for a long-ass time. And I know it was a short relationship, but him and Carol, like, hung out a bit. Well, I, don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think of it as a competition, right? Like, I don't have to like uh, Henry and not like Tobin. Yeah. I mean, I I happen to not give a shit about Tobin. And Henry, I care about a little bit. I mean, I, the, if he was an adult... I'd be like, I, I couldn't care less, but he's a child, right? He's making, he's, uh, he's in a zombie apocalypse. He's lost people he loves and he's a young kid and he's making stupid decisions. Young kids make stupid decisions. Young kids in the zombie apocalypse make stupid decisions and people die. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it doesn't mean he's not worth rescuing. No, that's true. I just don't find him interesting just because he's a kid. I mean, that is interesting to a point, but I just... And and you're right. It's not a competition. You can you can enjoy both or hate both or like one, not the other. Um, but let's be honest. Luke is kind of comparing the two here. And if I had to pick one, I'd take the Tobin storyline over the Henry stuff, um, which is just me. Okay, I can live with that. <laughs> I accept that. Yeah. What can you do? I accept that you're wrong. <laughs> I don't think you're wrong. I know, I know. I just accept what you're saying is uh, the way you feel. That's okay. Uh, there you it's go. Okay. Perfect. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. All right. Next, we have an email from Rick in Kingsville, Ohio. I really wish they would develop the character of Diane a bit more and get her more involved in the show. She would make a great number two for Maggie. The first time I saw her on screen, I thought, wow, she looks badass. She looks like she walked right out, of, right out of a video game with her stern expression, pulled back hair, body armor, and bows and arrows. She was always ready for a fight and is one hell of an archer and handles a gun pretty darn well, too. Yeah, I'm on board with Rick. I think Diana's a cool character that we don't really know much about. She's always just sort of been there in the background working for Ezekiel or now working for Carol. So Yeah, her armor just needs a pink job. It, that's flash colors and maybe a symbol of some kind. <laughs> she might look too much like a superhero at that point, but that's what I'm going for. All right, cool. I think she's cool. Uh, but you got to know, man, if they bring her to the forefront too much, mm, that's it. She's it, done. They, they, they ramp her up. I mean, we've had people go from uh, guest stars uh, to, you know, to regulars to featured kind of thing. So we can, uh, we can, we can bring her in. I agree. Let's ramp her up at least for a while. It'll be fun. Yeah, you can't bring her to the forefront and not change where her uh, name is in the credits, right? Uh, we, if you move her name in the credits to the appropriate location, you can ramp up her character without worrying about her being killed off. Yeah, perfect. I, I, I think they should do that. I think so, too. All right, Chris in Connecticut writes, This might be my favorite episode this season. Lots of great action and tension 
and an underlying theme with each character in this episode. Every character makes decisions based on how the people they lost have affected their current life. Rick, Carol, Morgan, Negan, and Jadis all explain how the people close to them that they've lost in the apocalypse makes them different for better or for worse. So all kinds of really good uh, character-y stuff here, not just for Carol, not just for Rick, but how the um, the loss of loved ones messes you up, man. I agree. It uh, There's a lot of backstory and a lot of revisiting old wounds with uh, people that have lost loved ones in the past and then uh, how Rick... Uh, and Michonne are dealing with the loss of, uh, of Carl recently. Totally. You know what? It, this makes me think that they are, they're kind of winding things down. They're wrapping things up. They're closing the book on certain storylines amongst all these characters because season eight's going to finish. And I feel like season nine is going to start with a new showrunner and feel like a different show. I mean, it'll still feel like the same show, but we're going to put all this sort of open stuff behind us and move on to something a little bit different. So we'll get Jadis living with, I, I assume Simon, and then it'll be like an odd couple situation where Jadis is the neat freak and Simon, I assume that he's some, the character is uh, extremely messy and disorganized. Well, I mean, maybe in his personal life. Yeah. If you put him in a, in a room with Jadis, she'll want to live in the Ikea place and, and he won't like that. Be very different. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's why he murdered all the people in the junkyard because, uh, he feels comfortable there and wants to, uh, wants to move in. But he can't have all these people hanging around. Yeah. Cause that'd be, that'd be stupid. That would be weird. Yes, of course. But, uh, I, you know, I think Chris makes, makes a good point. Um, I think they're kind of wrapping things up a little bit. Uh, or at least that's what I sort of took from it as I started thinking a little bit more about it, but they're going to put all this stuff behind us that has been part of these characters for a while. And we're going to move off in season nine into a wild new frontier. Right. It's very similar. You know, in this episode, we had a lot of characters dealing with the loss of loved ones and how it affects them. And that all seemed to come to a head all at the same time. Uh, it's much like in television shows. You ever noticed that some shows and some movies, everybody always has sex at the same time. They have sex at the same time? Well, yeah, this this couple's having sex, and this couple's having sex, and this couple's having sex, and it all happens at exactly the same time, and then we move on with the plot afterwards. I never really noticed that. You should notice that. It's uh, it's weird. It's like when people wear white, they get blood on their shirt. Uh, It's People have sex in in TV shows all at the same time. Do Do you think that happens in real life? Yeah, there's lots of people having sex right now. Betcha. I bet you there are. (laughs) <laughs> people uh, like to have sex well and they like to have sex all the time and therefore there's a really good chance that a lot of people are having sex all at the same time yeah i'm sure you're right uh, there's probably someone having sex within like 20 feet of you right now 20 feet there better not be <laughs> <laughs> that makes me uncomfortable yeah a little bit okay maybe uh 500 meters so okay sure i bet half a k half a k there could be Definitely one kilometer. Yeah, definitely within a kilometer of you, there's probably a few people having sex. Okay. Good. Maybe altogether, those few people. I might even know them. <laughs> you might even know that uh, orgy that's happening right now. I might. Very good. I'm going to try not to think about it, though. Uh, next, we have JP on the internet. So, is the title of this week's episode still got to mean something? Refer to the previous seven seasons? Because I don't seem to understand how Rick is now the governor 
Morgan is now Carol. Carol is saving Henry, who somehow became Sophia. I hope the producers of The Walking Dead understand character development has still got to mean something, because I'm having a hard time figuring out who these people are. Well, JP, as uh, I said a minute ago, I think they are winding down the previous seven seasons of character information for these characters, not forgetting about it, not completely, you know, disregarding it, but sort of winding it down. And I think we're going to see a bit of a different show for season nine with many of the same characters, but uh, having them kind of established character traits and giving them the opportunity to explore different aspects of their personalities. That's what I think. Okay. Could be. So just shake things up. Shake things up a little bit. Exactly. I think that's okay. I think that's okay. All right. Martin from West Yorkshire, England writes, Hi guys. My theory on Negan's passenger is that it is Laura, who we last saw having just seen Dwight kill saviors in the ambush. He's kept her hidden for the element of surprise on Dwight when he confronts him with this information. So this is probably the most likely scenario. I think it's a pretty good theory that Martin has here that it's Laura and Negan's bringing her back. And this is how Negan is going to know that Dwight has turned on him and is a traitor. And that's going to be a source of great tension and excitement in the next episode. Well, wouldn't he do something to shake things up with Simon? Because he knows Simon's a traitor. He doesn't know that Dwight is a traitor. No, but now he knows that Simon and Dwight are traitors, assuming it's Laura. So, you know, I think this is more likely than Gregory. (laughs) Why are they keeping it for the audience? That's still a bit of a question for me, because if it is Laura, well, that's enough. It doesn't need to be a secret. We know that she has this information on Dwight. So that's enough anticipation for next week, I feel like. So if it's not Laura, it's going to be somebody like way out there that no one expects. Heath. Could be. Maybe it's freaking Heath. There you go. (laughs) You know, why not? Could be Heath. I don't think Heath knows Negan. I think Heath left before Negan. Well, I don't know. Heath's only been gone for like two weeks at the speed that this show goes. So, Oh, I know. But the character left before we met Negan. Okay. Well, but that doesn't mean he doesn't know Negan. Like maybe Heath was hanging around the saviors for a while and then defected or something or or ran away and hid or something. I don't know. I'm just saying it could be Heath. Actually, I hadn't thought of that. So you could be right. (laughs) Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's Enid. Maybe we'll finally find out that Enid is on Team Negan. Oh my God. See, that would be something too. Now you're... She snuck out. Yeah. She got stuck in a bramble somewhere and her hair's all messy and she's all upset that Carl's dead and she doesn't like the... And the fact that Carl died not because of the saviors means she's all pissed off at uh, at, at the people at the hilltop and she wants them all to die. So she's finally saying fuck you to them and going back to uh, back home to Negan. Uh, and you know, that's why Negan picked her up. See, Jason, now you're thinking with gas, man. You've, you pulled out Heath, you pulled out Enid as a spy and uh, you know, those would be the kind of things that nobody sees coming. Laura, I think is a really good theory. Gregory, I think doesn't make any sense at all. Um, but, uh, on the scale of things, I think Heath would be a great choice. 
Yeah. Or it could be somebody from uh, Fear of the Walking Dead. Maybe they lied to us about how that crossover was going to happen. Yeah, it's freaking Madison. And it's, that's, <laughs> oh, that would be weird. <laughs> she turns out to be Rick's cousin and Negan dated her in high school. And now they have this weird connection. So I, I don't know where it's going. That reminds me, when I was in the movie, uh, quick aside here, and I apologize for this, I went to see uh, Ready Player One when I was in Lexington, and at the movie theater, <clears throat> they were advertising for watching the season finale of The Walking Dead and the premiere of Fear the Walking Dead, it's happening on the same night, yep. in that theater. So they had a poster with uh, <clears throat> Morgan and Rick and uh, Madison. Uh, just It wasn't a poster, it was a big cardboard standout. Oh, And cool. this little kid walked... Well, sorry, say it. Say again. I said, "Oh, cool." Yeah, it was pretty cool. And this uh, this little kid was coming out of a movie, and he pointed at it and he said, "Is that Negan? Is that Negan?" He pointed to Rick and to uh, Morgan, and he didn't point to Madison and say, "Is that Negan?" But uh, I had a very hard time not explaining who these characters were to this little boy <laughs> that was walking by, because you know. I know what's going on. Yeah. I know who those people are. He obviously doesn't know who Negan is, which is great because he's not watching the show. He's probably too young to watch the show. Sure. He's probably heard his parents talk about Negan and uh, this this mysterious yeah. show called The Walking Dead, and now he wants to know who Negan is. Yeah. So I just Sorry. Quick aside there. I thought that was interesting. No, that's fine. That whole season finale, season premiere, movie theater event, I don't think it's happening anywhere outside of the United States, which is a bummer because I'd consider going to that watching yeah I can't do that I know. I've watched uh, I've watched episodes in with uh, mass audiences before and I can't pay attention oh no it sucks I wouldn't I, I mean that would would not be my only viewing of course I'd go do that and then come home and watch it for real and then probably a, a t- again after that to to get ready for the podcast but I think it would be maybe a fun experience go check them check them both out yeah um that being said, I don't know how the hell we're going to cover the season finale and the stupid season premiere of Fear, but we're just going to have to delay talking about Fear for a little while, but we'll figure that out later. Anyways, if it is happening here in Toronto anywhere, I would, I might go check it out if there's still tickets, but I have a feeling it's not. Uh, anyways, um, back to who Negan picked up. I hope it's Heath now that you mentioned it, but I think it's most likely Laura. Yeah, you're probably right. Yep. Or oriented. Either one. There you go. All right. Next, we have an email from Gary on the internets uh, about the mysterious helicopter. At least we know that Jadis must have had a way to contact them to come get her if she chose to leave because she was obviously expecting them. Why couldn't Jadis simply contact them again and explain what happened? So do you think she contacted them or or it was like a regular visit? Well, it could have been... uh, a regular visit once a month or once a year, once every 25 years, <laughs> who knows? Because uh, we saw the helicopter before, right? So we, we know that it's uh, it's on some kind of regular visit. Yeah. Uh, but if she contacted them, like the best way to do it would be to, uh, you know, mark a mailbox somewhere with an X. And so that the, the next time they go by the mailbox, they see the X and it's like, oh, somebody wants us to go. So the third Sunday after they see the X... They at two thirty seven p.m. They fly over the uh, the junkyard. It might could be something like that, where now she could do the contact thing again, but she'd have to make the X and then wait for the third Sunday, and it would be another month before they would come by, kind of thing. It can't be that long. I mean, it's only been a couple of days, maybe three or four at most, since Rick saw the helicopter. So I'm thinking they're coming by, um, 
once a week, maybe they twice can't a week. Fly the helicopter around that much. I mean, okay, helicopter gas has got to be hard to come by. Sure. Well, then I maybe have no idea. Is aviation fuel, fuel, just basically kerosene. I don't is that know what they use. I have no idea. I'm sure somebody out there knows what powers helicopters. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. Like, if the helicopter was there four days ago when Rick was there, or when Rick was on his way there, um, now it's back a few days later. That's a pretty frequent schedule, so maybe she does have a way to contact them and say, come get me, or come, I need something. Well, then why would she get so upset if uh, they didn't see her? It's like, fuck, now i got to call them again. Well, I mean, you can only call so many times, right? And if they show up and decide not to land because they don't like what they see, then maybe they're not coming next time, and she knows that. I don't know. Maybe. But the helicopter's coming from somewhere, and they don't, they don't have unlimited range. No. So... Get in a car. Go to where they are. Well, she might not know where they are, right? Best theory out there right now is that the helicopter is from Georgie's community, which is some sort of bigger, well-established community that, you know, has the ability to fly helicopters around and potentially other vehicles. Yeah, um, like that awesome fucking van. Like that awesome van. See, they know what they're <laughs> doing vehicle-wise. Uh, but who knows? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think we're going to find out much about that helicopter until next season. At this point, we've seen it twice. It really exists. It's a thing, and they can't just let it go. Um, if we don't get information in the season finale about it, I think, well, obviously it won't be till next season, but it's going to be something we're not expecting at all. Yeah. That's the way I'm feeling right now. Uh, okay. Is it me doing the last one? It is you. Well, it is me, Chris, reading an email from Chris in the UK, and Chris writes... I'm on a camping holiday in the middle of nowhere, also known as Norfolk, Norfolk. so have not been able to listen to your podcast this week, but something has happened today which changed my opinion of part of this week's episode. I'm talking about the helicopter, specifically how it seems to come out of nowhere. How come Negan didn't hear it before they could see it? Wouldn't you hear it from miles away? I thought so. However, twice today, we've been buzzed by a helicopter flying over our field, and on neither occasion did I hear it before I could see it. And it's not that the other sounds of the modern world drowned it out. It's pretty damn quiet here. Perhaps it's because uh, we're in a bit of a valley surrounded by trees, and maybe other factors affect this phenomenon. So I'm perfectly prepared to accept that sometimes you can hear it first, but I've learned it is possible for a helicopter to sneak up on you if the conditions are right. Well, I'm, I'm glad Chris wrote in, because as soon as he started off uh, saying that, I was going to dispute it, because helicopters can definitely sneak up on you. Uh, so I'm glad that uh, he had occasion to have a helicopter fly over, uh, especially if they're flying low. Uh -huh. The trees and stuff will absorb most of that sound. You don't know it's coming until they're right on top of you, even though they're loud as shit when they're next to you. That's probably a... Uh, tactic to flying helicopters, right? Fly them in low. You don't hear them coming. You don't see them coming because they're low. And yep. by the time you know it's there, it's right on top of you and you're taking heavy machine gun fire. Well, if they had machine guns, well, they, they didn't have any machine guns. I'm just saying, yeah. By the time yeah. you know it's there, it's about to land on you and what can you do then? This also, uh, I'm really glad uh, that Chris wrote in about this because it allows me to have the opportunity to tell a story. Oh, good. It's story time and with Jason. this is the story of when I was in basic training in uh, Petawawa, Ontario, uh, which there's a Canadian Forces base there. Uh, and the Petawawa uh, base is on the Ottawa River. 
And the Ottawa River had these really steep banks around here, and they made us run up and down these things. They were a good 100 meters tall kind of thing, mostly sand, and running up a 100-meter sand bank is really tough. That's like I was 19 years old, and I got through it, but shit. That's like 300 feet. Yeah. All right. It was, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, that's when I was doing 200 push-ups a day and running five miles before breakfast kind of thing. Uh, basic training. Good fun. Anyway, one afternoon, they gave us uh, some time to swim in the river. So we were uh, basically a bunch of us guys were in the river with our shirts off up to our, uh, about our hips, our waist in the, uh, in the Ottawa River. And at the time that we were doing basic training, there was this big um, military exercise going on. And our tents that we were living in at the time were down about a kilometer away from uh, a bunch of helicopter pads. And there was helicopters taking off and landing like night and day all the time. And they were doing all kinds of weird shit, uh, flying around, doing fun stuff. Anyway, we're swimming in the Ottawa River and we're just having a good old time. And the next thing you know, three helicopters come around the bend. And these helicopters are skimming the top of the water. Like, and they are moving fast and they're practicing going low and fast around uh, over this river. And they were coming right for us. And we, uh, uh, one of the helicopters had the presence of mind to lift up. Another one kind of jinked to the right uh, or to the left, just kind of flew off to the left. And we all went underwater because, uh, and that third one, if we hadn't have didn't go underwater, we would have been hit by the skids of the helicopter. They were that fucking close to us, and it was scary as hell, and we did not hear them coming until they were about 40 feet away from us. Jeez. And they were all over top of us. And it's just it was uh, it was an incredibly scary and exciting and beautiful sight to behold. Uh, and it was, yeah, I've never actually been in a, uh, a situation like that before, but uh, it was. But or since and and you almost died. Wow! It was pretty nuts. It was pretty nuts. These helicopters, come, military helicopters, coming out of nowhere and having to veer out of the way so they wouldn't clip you when you're only sticking out of the water by two feet. Not even probably. Wow, that's crazy, man. Well, um, that's I'm I'm glad you escaped uninjured. Uh, and it just proves that helicopters can sneak up on you for sure. They sure can. And they also have very smart pilots that are able to handle situations that uh, come up that are unexpected because, uh, yeah, two of, the, two of the helicopters get out of the way nicely without, yeah, you know, just like, whoa, there you go. People. Did you say 100 meters or 200 meters? The banks. It was tall. Well, it was 100 meters at least. Okay. Well, 100 meters is 328 feet. Uh, 200 is like 650. So whatever you say. No, it's 100 meters. Okay. All right. Good. Just wanted they were to, tall. I didn't. Yeah, yeah. That's plenty of plenty of height. I just wanted to. God, be that clear. was tough. Uh, Running up that, we had to run. Like we couldn't just climb up this sixty degrees of sand for a hundred meters. We had to run. Yeah, you were Imagine. in better shape than you'd ever been. I bet. Oh yeah, when I uh, when I got home from basic training, my friends didn't recognize me. Well, that's because you. I, I had shaved my head. Yeah, and I had really bulked up. They thought I was some kind of weird skinhead that was coming to their house. Like no. I'm your buddy, Jason. <laughs> it's also because when you left, I mean, you left a boy and returned a man. That's the difference. That's not true. I'm pretty sure that's I, what I, happens when you go I to basic skinny, training. Came back bulky. All right. Well, <laughs> that was it. I, I was not a man. <laughs> to this day. No. <laughs> <laughs> not even now. No. Now I'm just doughier. Yeah. But uh, better, better hugger. 
Better hu- better hugging with all that dough. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Okay. Um, that's it. Thank you, everyone, for writing and calling in. Uh, we kind of had to mash everything here into one episode, so didn't quite do as much feedback, but I think we pretty much covered everything. Um, and we'll, of course, be back early next week with our uh, our uh, podcast for the next episode of The Walking Dead. And I didn't write down the title, but I think it's Wrath. Um, but if you want to do a title read, go look it up. Make sure. Yeah, episode 15. Oh, it's called Worth, not Wrath. It's called Worth. So if you record Wrath, I'm not going to play it. <laughs> uh, title read for next week's episode. It's called Worth. Get those in if you can. And um, the final episode is called Wrath. So see, I knew I was almost right. Uh, and we'll be recording that uh, hopefully next Monday night. I have tickets to go see John Cleese perform, whichever that mean, whatever that means. But we're going to try our best to record after I get home. So it could be a late night. You think he's too old for silly walks? No, no, he's not too old for silly walks. I don't know. People's knees get sore after a while it's the silly walk he does is all in the hips not the knees oh, i don't know but I, well let's hope yeah. let's hope that he still does silly walks i'll let you know next week if he does that uh but i think it should be fun anyways that's not going to affect things around here we hope uh looking forward to watching worth on sunday and then recording about it on monday night so there you go um that's going to do it. Thank you so much, everyone. If you'd like to get in touch, you can send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. You can visit our website at talkingdeadpodcast.com and click on send voicemail up in the top corner. And you can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on the Facebook at facebook.com slash the Talking Dead. Remember to send in your entries for the uh, favorite scene contest. Email those in, record them however you want, email them in. Uh, you got a couple of more weeks to do that. The deadline will be about a week after the season finale, and we're getting close to that. Um, and uh, visit us on Patreon, patreon.com slash the talking dead. It's a great way to help out with the uh, with everything that goes into the show here. So please do that. All right. Uh, that's enough for tonight, I think. Thanks for sticking around, Jason. <laughs> on on this not like you were going to leave anywhere but you know longer than usual recording sometimes i wanted to just get up and flip the desk and walk out of here i the the desk is pretty close to the wall and it's pretty heavy but be tough to flip that i might storm out all right stomp but i don't know if i'd flip the desk all right well bat your microphone out of the way stand up and, (laughs) and just storm out that's right all right we will see you next week everyone until then my name is chris My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.